0: Clean boys, sweet baby New Year's boys, welcome to the pod people, and it's not a dream, it is still 2019. I'm Matisse Van Rossum, and I'm joined, as always, by the other baby New Year's boys. I'm Ben Sheets, and we about to lay 2018 in the dirt. Like
1: pipe. I'm Cleveland Mosher, I'm just along for the ride.
0: Choo-choo.
1: Toot-toot, motherfucker. Let's get Uh, this rolling. Yeah.
0: So, we back. Um, If you listened to our episode last week, you know that we are talking about some films that we are catching up on from 2018. This is going to be a little bit different than usual because we were separated when we watched these movies. Cleveland and I watched all of them together. But, uh we have not discussed them really at all with Ben. I'm the wild card.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: I, I know how Cleveland and I feel about all three of these movies, but uh, we're... Uh... Maybe going to get into some contentious nonsense.
1: I I know a little bit uh, about how Ben feels about some of these films, and I could pretty confidently say that we are (laughs) definitely going to get into some stuff. And I'm personally very excited about that. Well, in that
0: that case, let's get through all the preamble and let's just jump right in. Sounds great. Uh, The first film that we're going to be talking about is Apostle. Netflix Original. Netflix Original's Mm -hmm. Apostle directed by Gareth Evans. Gareth Evans, that's right. The dude who did The Raid. I forgot about that mm-hmm. already. Weird. When I saw his name come up in the opening credits, <laughs> I was like, this is bizarre.
2: See, I knew that going in. I almost feel like that... In- influence, you influence you a little me a little bit in what I was expecting?
1: Well, fortunately, for the sake of uh, scientific method, I have not seen The Raid, and I'm not familiar with this previous work. So I,
0: I also have not seen The Raid, but I am familiar with The Raid. You guys should see The Raid. I, it's I very know, good. Know, it's very good. It's been on my list for a really long time. But uh, Apostle uh, is set in 1905. And it follows a man who uh, whose sister is kidnapped by a cult uh, and held for hostage because their father is wealthy, and he is to uh, infiltrate the island where they have sort of a a um, utopian commune kind of thing. It's a Wicker Man setup. It is. It is the Wicker Man. Mm-hmm. That. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, some weird culty shit ensues as is to be expected i i know that at least for you and i cleveland uh the film started very strong
1: yes which i interested yeah ben why don't you uh
0: yeah what were your well, thoughts? well
2: i on? i thought the first half was extremely slow to its detriment almost because it does do the wicker man thing very closely yeah in my opinion it doesn't do it as well as the wicker
0: man. No. You know, and it for me it felt just like a slow Well, okay, we should we should clarify which wicker man. Oh, the 70s wicker. Okay. Man. I I thought so, but Maybe for some mm-hmm. of the viewers who don't know that the Nicolas Cage remake is based on a film from the 70s might think that we're crazy. We'll do a Wicker Man episode down the line. Well, for sure.
1: Speaking of uh, thinking that people are crazy, y'all might feel that way about me because I have seen the Nicolas Cage version, but I have not seen the original.
0: I, I think that's I think that's true for most people. You want my mm-hmm. scorching nuclear take?
1: Scorch me, baby. Uh,
0: the Wicker Man remake is pretty enjoyable. It is. I I agree with you 100%, but it's it's that kind of uh Nicolas Cage bat shit crazy enjoyable whereas the original one is like legitimately quite unsettling and creepy and They go
2: for very different things. Yeah. And if you're looking for the 70s in the remake, you're going to be in for a bad time. And if mm-hmm. you're looking for the stuff in the remake
0: in the original, you're going to have a bad
1: time. Which right. I but, think is honestly the, usually the best way to do a remake but is this to is, try and achieve something different. This is
0: not a Wicker Man discussion. <laughs> no. um, I I will, will just say from here on out that any comparisons we make to the Wicker Man are largely in comparison to the original. But yeah, you, you thought that the beginning was slow,
2: yeah, I thought, In a bad way. I, I thought it was slow. There were a couple of exceptions for scenes that I thought were very effective in the first half. But mm-hmm. overall, I thought it was kind of monotonous. Uh, didn't really tonally work with the rest of the movie super well. And kind of just bored me, to be honest. The exception would probably be the interrogation scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, throughout the movie I think Dan Stevens steals the show.
0: But
1: Which one he, is Dan Stevens? Is he the Queen? main character. Oh, the main yeah, character. So...
0: Okay. Um yeah. Really uh I, I forgot his name, but I immediately recognized him as the guy from The Guest. Yeah. Which is a fucking awesome movie. Um uh I, I thought he did pretty well. Um I I also liked uh Michael Sheen quite a bit. Yes. Um, I have problems with his character arc. Yeah, I liked, but I liked his performance.
1: Yeah, I would, I would fully agree. And to the point of of putting the blanket statement over the film that uh, the acting was in in no part uh, a problem in this film. Like I, I thought all the actors did a phenomenal job with what they had
0: for for the most part. Um, I really liked the the guy who played uh, Quinn. I don't remember that actor's name um he was the the one who ended up being the villain in the second half. Oh yeah. I I liked him a lot. I I have a really huge problem with what they did to his character in the third act because I think the way that they were building him up was really solid, especially the the dynamic between him and Michael Sheen. Like Michael Sheen is like the 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 prophet he's the leader of this cult but he's not its sole founder he washed up on this island with uh two of his other fellow convicts and they started a utopia they're fed by the by a, a goddess who provides them bounties in exchange for blood sacrifice the wicker man yeah uh, i'll reiterate um and
2: but I, they they do keep that stuff very vague Yes. In the first half, to the mm-hmm. point which where... Is,
0: which is actually what I liked. I liked Same. how vague they kept it in the first half. I actually didn't have a problem with how slow it was. Same. Because I thought it was doing a really good job building intrigue and mood. Easing you into a lot of the characters, rather than slapdash introducing you to a bunch of people. And just expecting you to know and care about all of these people right off the bat.
1: I agree fully, um, and we'll go even farther with that. I absolutely love period pieces, and uh, I have a just a huge heart on for for set making and uh, costume design and. I, I think that the story could have been slower paced and more boring and I would have been there for it. Like I just, just to see the cool sets, well, I was, I, I was happy as a clam yeah, just I looking think, at the interiors I and think, the cool like leather, like cloaks and stuff. Like it just, I, I mean, I agree with 10 out, out of 10 on, on the, the, the set making. The set and costume me.
0: design was really good. I will agree with that, but I don't know if I would slow it down any more than yeah, it was. No, that's a I, personal opinion I think opinion, it gets a little was. convoluted
2: with all the subplots in the first half too. There's a lot going on in the first half. But the thing is, like it is very slow paced at the same time, just because none of the characters are given all that much to do ultimately i think
0: well there's that's... there's a lot of there's a lot of our our protagonist discovering who all of the characters are as he spends more time on the island, which which I didn't have a problem with, and I do think that fur. The amount of other little subplots that there are, I think it was good that it was a bit slower, so it can kind of ease you into the subplots. I have a problem with the payoff of a lot of those subplots. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I ultimately have a lot of problems with the third act of this film in general. Uh, and it's where it really lost it for me, because it... I, I think its setup was was doing a lot of good.
2: See, I feel almost the opposite way. I think the second half is a lot of schlocky fun, where the first half kind of sets it up to be serious. And I think Gareth Evans is strongest when he's doing these, you know, frantic, kinetic action sequences or you know sequences that are very visceral like the standout scene in this movie and the one that i would probably put as one of the top scenes of the year for 2018 would be the the
0: cave scene
2: when dan steven's main character is going through the
0: cave with blood oh he's crawling through the blood tunnel yeah. Oh, interesting! I and... I thought that scene was okay, but I I didn't have a problem with that scene, but I didn't it didn't stand out over a lot of other things. When, I, so, when the I admit, goddess comes out of the the, the blood. I thought that here's,
1: was pretty good. Yeah, here's what I'll say. I fully agree with how effective that scene was. I really liked that scene too, and it, it did a lot for me. By the end of the film, that scene was sort of tainted for me, and maybe you guys can correct me on this, but that scene was sort of broken by their world building. Like yes. Like, it, it yes. did not make any sense i agree uh we'll at the end of it that. and yeah. I, yeah I would yeah definitely definite footnote on that we'll need to talk well, about their world building because that was pro- say, very problematic
0: what i'll say is i agree that the the last part of the movie is a lot more schlocky but in this case i think it's undeserved because yes. i think in in the first half of the movie it It very much had me with its world building and the things that it was setting up. It was presenting itself as a serious drama horror, and I was accepting it as such. Mm -hmm. And then in the third act, it became a completely different film that it had not set me up to expect, and that hurt it for me, because I was disappointed that the that the dramatic aspects of it that I was enjoying did not have satisfying payoff in the same tone. It was like, it felt like to me that at one point Gareth Evans is like oh shit my script is due tomorrow and i still have to write the entire third act and buried his face in a mountain of cocaine and just like scratched out a a rough draft of the final of the final act and then gave it to the producers yeah. like here here's the movie
1: i agree it felt very rushed uh to me and and not not from a uh, a directorial standpoint but from a writing standpoint and that's that's where i was i was hurt i think it the film was this film suffered uh and i would like to also bring up a comparative uh to another film that came out this year um that we've already discussed that did did a similar thing but effectively and that's of course mandy with the cheddar goblin sequence right that film makes it very clear there's a there's a definitive moment where the button is pushed that that alters what the film is like there there's a there's an arc Uh, there's an arc sequence and then when Cheddar Goblin comes on it is made fully clear to you that you're about to go for a fucking wild Disney ride of horror and this film does not do that in the same way there's no definitive moment where the things suddenly kick off I felt like the writing was just set aside and the the action was prioritized.
0: They seemed to forget their rules. Right, which when, took yeah, as soon which as the action kicked off. Took
1: away from the action for me. Yeah, it made it a lot harder for me to enjoy the action because it felt displaced. Yeah, um I
0: agree completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean
2: personally I didn't get much out of the first half in the serious drama stuff. And I think that's why I enjoyed the second half more. I think because I didn't connect with it as much. The mm -hmm. the visceral action was more entertaining because I wasn't
0: wrapped up in the story as much. I think think what can be said is that whichever tone of the movie you connect with, the other tone is not going to work for you. Mm -hmm. Which is, as a whole, for the film a problem yes it doesn't have regardless of which <laughs> it has bad tonal control regardless of which part you like better the serious drama world building at the beginning or the the schlocky action at the end whichever you're not gonna like both of them most likely yeah and whichever one that you you do like the other one is gonna be a huge drag for mm-hmm. you it's yeah. definitely uh,
1: one is tainted by the other yeah but i really appreciate how you brought up that point too because like it Made it very easy for I think Tice and I both to recognize your justifications yeah. for liking the beginning of it, and that's that's neat. Like, uh, we I think we still disagree on those yeah. things, but it's obviously for, for personal totally preference, right. yeah. And I think, um, uh, you reasons. know, like
2: I think it was the Coen brothers that say it said directing is like an act of tonal control. And in a way this movie is just badly directed because that total control just is not there. Mm-hmm. Right, like, but there's
0: there's a there's a definite turning point. Would would you say it's the Kate, the tunnel scene? Uh no, no no no, no, no cuz I I was still actually, on yeah. I was still on board at that point. I would say it is immediately after the sacrifice scene.
1: I actually think the key tonal shift for me was when the the guy kills his daughter. That I think is where things kind of flew off the rails. That's that's
0: where that's where it starts. That's where it started to lose me. Yeah, like I I was there. I was there for the sacrifice scene where they he he of course blames his daughter's murder on her boyfriend, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they they ritually murder him in a particularly horrific fashion. Oh uh, man, we get some cool like era torture devices
2: true i thought
0: i thought that scene was was i thought that scene was really well done it was almost saw-esque yes where (laughs) they they like strap him down to this big table and like drill into his skull and his brain and there is
1: a term for that and it's it's actually brought up in the endless also which i thought was interesting but there's well it's trepanation trepanation, thank you Ben. yeah, yeah like and that you see devices from that era that well, obviously shorter spikes and and less invasive, but well, you the, see trepanation yeah. devices from that time period and before where they're used, and it's cool to see like a trepanation device used to kill, like uh, neat, right? Very because, neat. love that the, machine.
0: The idea is to drill a small hole in your skull and not touch the brain so you basically stay high all the time. Or in olden days, to be closer to God. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this case, it's a really huge fucking drill, and they drill all the way into his skull, into his brains, and it's really gross and and horrifying. And I thought that scene was really well done. Oh. Um, Legitimately unsettling because you do feel for that character. Especially at that point because the the Quinn character has a, at that point sort of decisively decided that he's taking over the cult. Um, because he he thinks that uh, Michael Sheen's character is too weak and unwilling to do what is necessary to keep them all alive, and their crops are failing and shit. And so I think that turning point is really strong. But it's after that mm-hmm. where all of my problems start yeah. to come lower.
1: Just like my my first problem does come up right beforehand. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll I'll set it up. Sort of how I was experiencing it sure. and that's uh, the the setup for that sequence uh, starts much earlier on in the film when you see Quinn like deliver a a baby goat and you see that the the baby goat has sort of become malformed and dies it's almost diseased, immediately yeah. yeah. Which sort of sets a precedent that the the goddess who is controlling this island is you know has an effect over both the crops and the livestock and that you know like the that uh, there's a there's a sort of problem with like birthing and and that there's an issue with that on this right. island where like abominations are being created and the 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 higher ups in the church are trying to keep that hush hush right um, uh, later on it's revealed that Quinn's young teenage daughter is 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 pregnant and he there's a sequence between the two of them. Which is very uncomfortable, um, in I think a good way. Like it's yeah. it's very effectively uncomfortable where they have a dialogue and I loved it because without that justification of the the goddess like malforming the children The island like, the is born, not
0: the island is not fertile. Yeah.
1: With yeah. without that context, the father appears to be exclusively in the wrong. Like like if it was just a puritanical father getting very angry with his daughter and punishing her for getting pregnant, like that's that's, one thing. that's yeah. one thing like that's problematic and but in his case he was sort of justified and that was very interesting to me to see that in any other context villainous character with a bit of justification, he's, well, he's well, he would right. be worried that his daughter is going to give birth to a fucking Lovecraftian horror, and and, that, and you he think says that,
0: he says as much. He says that abomination in your womb will kill you, right? And which is uh, which, yeah, that scene is very good. But then it cuts, and we see the boyfriend come back to the house, and Quinn has just murdered, murdered her, her with yeah. a knife. Right,
1: and and that like, was the the, like, the scene, like literally, like while we were watching, it made me eat my words because I brought up that point, like when he's like, "Well, you know, like you can't have this abomination in you." The scene cuts away to the guy outside, and I'm. I, I said this much. I was like, "Oh yeah, this is great. Like, I love that they did that with. Was like, you know, oh the yeah, that makes for it. No, that like, makes sense. Like, wow, he's, yeah, yeah, he's he's yeah, kind. Yeah. And, and I literally said, "Man, I he's he's actually kind of in the right. And then it cuts back to him, and the daughter's just been murdered. And I was like, "Oh fuck, wait, no, never mind. Just ate <laughs> all of my words. <laughs> right. No, I, I agree with you that I thought that was. Bad like, as if, well. if he tried yeah. to, like, get rid of the abomination and she'd accidentally died, I think that would have been way more and effective. Th- and the thing
0: is, is, like, up till this point, they've been setting up Quinn to be an interesting and somewhat sympathetic villain. Yeah. But obviously, like, still uh, in, in the wrong in what he's doing and what he believes. But after that, he just becomes completely cartoonish yeah that was a messy scene to
2: say the least well Mm. and
0: and and where they take his character from there to the end of the film and where they sort of start to forget some of their rules and their world building Mm -hmm. as it's revealed that they have uh imprisoned the goddess somehow
1: right the agency of the goddess i think is by far the the Biggest flaw in their, their yeah world
0: same I I agree with that because throughout the film we we see her at times wandering mm-hmm. the town and the island well and they uh, all the people of the cult you know they they bleed themselves every night and they leave a jar of blood outside their doors um and we get that great scene where the uh, the protagonist sees all of the jars of blood, and he steals some for his own jar so he doesn't have to cut himself. Mm-hmm. And you see the goddess standing at the hall behind him, and he cuts himself and drops blood on the floor. Okay. And it does that really jarring cut to like her mouth under the floorboards, bo- like greedily yeah. sucking at the blood and, that he's dropped. And
1: we need to be clear too that the protagonist never sees her in this time; Correct. only the viewer does. And, and then later on, there's the, the blood tunnel sequence we'd already talked about, yeah. where the main character falls into the, the tunnel, and he gets chased, and he does see her, and he right. gets chased through, like, the, the blood tunnel by this, this old spooky woman. So yeah, we see her a number of times walking about and interacting with the world.
0: Seemingly, seemingly having agency in the world. Right.
1: It's yeah. not a dream sequence. Like, that's made clear by the viewer seeing her without any context to the other characters. Clearly... She's wandering about. Maybe it's like a semi-ghost form or something else, but she has power over that world, right? She can
0: she can physically interact with the yeah, world. Yeah,
1: and, and walk yeah. about under her own free will.
0: Yet then it's revealed later that Michael Sheen and Quinn and the other guy have her imprisoned in a shed. And have
1: always had her imprisoned. And
0: have— and, they we get a single flashback to when they come to the island originally and find her sitting under a tree wrapped in a blanket.
1: Like I'm almost concerned bringing these points up because I feel like I missed something. Like like is, was there a point that justified these things, Ben? Do you no, did you feel no, it was just a okay. mess? Honestly. Yeah, like there was and there was like, nothing. Well, well,
0: did. Quinn Quinn claims that he's the only one who had the vision to turn her into a machine. Yeah. It was his idea to imprison her. And it, by imprison, like she's. She's just like bound by all of these like vines and limbs and branches, which is confusing because we never see how they did that and that she is a, a nature goddess. We see that when Michael Sheen like feeds her blood, that all of those limbs that are imprisoning her bloom and leaves grow. How did they imprison her? We never see that.
1: Ever. It's a huge problem with the world building. And, and they- also,
0: how is she imprisoned? And like you said, also able to wander about
1: yeah it makes zero sense and and again i'm i'm more than happy to to embrace either of those things like uh for, but for the sake pick, of the narrative but, but not one. both of them but yeah.
0: pick one yeah. a- exactly they don't make sense together
1: i think i think that the the moral that we can all agree on for this film i do have one more point to bring up but i think the moral we can all agree on for this movie is pick a fucking lane yeah. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, like it's, it's pick a lane, and like because it's, it's it. just yeah. a
2: total mess.
1: Um, I, I'm really glad you brought up that piece of dialogue from Quinn about him saying that, like, we, you, we put yeah. the god on the machine because I I also had a huge problem with that in the film. Um, the The structure of this this movie, when it comes to tension building, is almost exclusively with the payoff of Deus Ex Machina's. Yes, every time that the protagonist is saved it's because of a deus ex machina which is fine because that is sort of that that is set up in the world building like with the goddess sort of looking out for him the problem is that the goddess is never explained so we don't know how much of an effect we also
0: learn we also learn midway through the movie that he was a priest in china during the Mm -hmm. boxer rebellion when they were killing christians and we see that we see a flashback scene where he has like a a massive cross like branded on his back and he talks about his loss of faith and how he no longer believes in God and then by the end of the movie he has regained his faith because literally every time he's saved, like you said, it's an act of it's God. Preordained. It's yeah. a Deus Ex Machina. Machina. It is a God
1: on the machine descending a... down to save well, him. It-
0: exactly. Especially because Quinn is like, I she's nothing but a machine, you know, we feed her blood and she mm-hmm. feed and she makes our crops right. bountiful. <laughs> which so it's literally like I, deus ex machinas
1: Machina. on deus, deus ex machinas. machinas and i thought and i i don't, I I don't have a huge like problem with it
2: arc, yeah. yeah like
1: but in many other contexts i would have kind of a bit of a problem with it because essentially when you the writers gave quinn that piece of dialogue it's them saying hey look we just justified all our deus ex machinas like and but they sort of did in the script the problem is is that it falls apart because of the world building like that's never fully explained why like how much divine power does she have right and it's not and it's and it would be fine if it was ambiguous but it it's not; it breaks itself. But but yeah, like there there are a number of sequences where the Deus Ex Machinas are effective. Like I like the one sure. um, when they're going down the line, telling the guys to to read the the parts of their or scripture, to, to quote
0: the scripture. Yeah, yeah, and
1: and it's coming up to the protagonist who doesn't know the words, but there's the guy before him, like who, who turns
0: out to be an assassin. Yeah, that was yeah. great. Yeah. I loved that, that a lot. Too. That was
1: nice. It was really believable. Um, a number of very like effective Deus Ex Machinas, but not all of them. And especially at the end, there were there were times where it was just. You could call it before it happens. Like, oh, here comes another deus ex machina. I'm not married to the tension.
0: Can we can we talk about the man in the vine mask?
2: Oh, I wanted to talk about that, actually. Yes, the please. The, the, the grinder uh, scene.
0: Yeah. Because I thought that torture device was pretty I rad. I thought the torture device was very cool with yeah. the hooks yeah. and, like, pulling, like, hooking a body and then pulling it into this big old meat grinder. Oh, yeah. I thought that was very cool. <laughs> My problem is, who is that character? Where did he come from? It's a monster. <laughs> Why is he there? Who... And that also so goes... You, uh, th-
2: the thing I, I gathered from the first half, which I guess you guys didn't get as much of, is I found the story in the first half very weak. So I kind of just started tuning out the story in the second half. And I had a lot more fun with scenes yeah. like that. Because I think Gareth Evans, with his history of doing crazy action movies like the Raid movies... He's proven that like his strength is not necessarily story. And that was clear to me in the first half. But I think the, the scenes of action were a lot of fun in this movie. And I thought the meat grinder scene, while wow, that vine monster guy was goofy as hell and like didn't have any reason to exist in the in in the movie no i thought i thought the the design was kind of cool and the the action sure. scene that he was in was i, I, I agree fully enough. I,
1: um i think that uh you know like I, I personally i didn't have a problem with the fine guy either i i thought his coolness was enough to justify it and you could come up with something within their narrative that would justify him being there but Uh, And and also the the action scenes were cool. The devices were fucking rad. But again, that was sort of soured for me by their their lack of their the fact that in many cases they broke world building to have them in there or whatever else. Exactly. in, In fixable ways. Another pass, you know, with that script, you could have you could have fixed those things well, like and had the, those scenes play out like, the same like way. With the, like
0: with the vine guy, we see he's only in the shed where the goddess is. We never see him anywhere else, so he seems he's the caretaker of the goddess, right? Uh, we still don't know who he who the fuck he is or where he he has come from, but it's his job to take care of of her. Another thing that's very confusing about where they can't decide what they want the goddess to be is we see. Multiple times that she subsists on blood sacrifice. It's what gives her her power. It's what she needs to survive. And she is obviously starved for the blood. She's greedy for it. Yet, at the same time, we also see this vine-masked man grinding up dead bodies and force-feeding them to her in a funnel, which she does not seem very much about. Mm -hmm. She resists. So which is it? Does she want the blood, or does she not want the blood? Yep. Like, why is this weird gimp torture man here? Ugh, why? Yeah. Why? Like, yeah, it's, no, it's, it's it's almost like
1: there are two goddesses, I, yes. but there aren't. I'm glad you brought it up because would even, that's another huge world breaking. It, it would
0: even be one thing if they suggested the idea that there are two aspects of the goddess but they don't do that nope. yeah. It's just it's just inconsistent.
2: And you'd think for how convoluted the story gets at points like they would like cover all their bases in that respect, but yeah. they really they really covered the the wrong bases yes. in a lot of ways. They you know, they tie up weird subplots while leaving others just completely open-ended it's just
0: narratively a mess another another one that i had a huge problem with regarding quinn's character is we obviously see that he has a problem with his daughter being pregnant he's scared of uh you know the the malformed abomination that her child will be yet at the end of the movie he has kidnapped uh, Michael Sheen's daughter oh, yeah. and the main character's sister and says that his plan is going to be to personally impregnate both of them and sacrifice their babies to the goddess and do this ad nauseum in order to make the the island bountiful. Yeah. So which is it? Are the babies going to be born malformed or, or not? And also that takes a, a character that is... Relatively nuanced at the beginning, building up to that, and just turns him into Snidely
1: fucking Whiplash. Yes, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, it was it was very very problematic. Things I liked about the movie, I thought I thought it had a fucking awesome budget, and I liked where they put their money. Like I think I think I don't have any problems with where the budgeting was placed into this film. We're all I mean, had a huge budget, obviously, a Netflix film, and. The, the sets were grandiose. Piece, so, yeah. it, it's full of competent actors um, <laughs> who are known. Uh, and the special effects are pretty sound across the board.
2: Yeah, I mean, I love the period production design. I wish there were more torture devices and action scenes. Yeah.
1: but I think there were enough. I will say, uh, like, I, I think that the ones that they had were fucking rad and that there were, were rad, several of them. They
2: weren't in till the second half and once again that shift is the problem yeah. we all have with that. Yeah. You
1: wanted more during the beginning. Yeah, that yeah. that makes sense. Um what what I'll say is and I know I know that you disagree with me on this this tease and I know for a fact you're also going to disagree with <laughs> me on this strongly but what I would have wanted out of the film and again I know y'all are going to disagree <laughs> with me on this. Um I'm uh and I know your points this. and your points are valid too but because uh, it's, it's a personal preference thing. But I would have liked to have seen this film as, uh, here here come the gags, a long format series. I would have liked to have yeah, seen about five about or six episodes, uh, hour-long episodes out of this uh, in that set. I, I would have loved to have seen the storyline stretched out with a little bit more world building placed in. I wanted to explore that island more and the effects of the uh, and the abilities of the the goddess. So I would have liked to have, to have have seen more you. of that. If
2: they did a mini series version of but this, better would written. you like to see the tone of the first half or the second half or the same where it tonally just shifts in
1: the middle? Both, just with justifi- justification for the tonal shifts. Here's here's because my... I, I I liked the tonal parts. I, I think uh, as a, we've discussed it more and we've talked about it, I don't think that it's necessarily a matter of that the tonal shift was bad. I just think the tonal shift wasn't justified. Like, if if the scripting had been written to to frame it, it would have been more effective. Because again, I liked the torture sequences. I liked the action. I liked that. I just didn't like their justification for it.
0: I just think they I just think they should have picked one. My problem with the idea of of making this a mini series is that they could not um, competently tell a a cohesive narrative across the span of two and a half hours, and I think that by stretching that out into six episodes or more would have worsened. Yes, yeah, no, no, I,
1: I agree with that. Uh, it's with the addendum that with better writing like and with with cohesive world building if it had that i think it would be a really cool i would even
2: say with a different director because i really like gareth evans but i think his strengths are not quite suited for this movie um just because while the action scenes are really cool a lot of the rest of the story and world building stuff kind of falls on its face um and in addition uh the movie as is probably should have been at least half an hour shorter yes and it was agreed they could have cut a couple of those subplots
0: because it just gets convoluted or had
1: more intrigue at the beginning i guess yeah
0: yeah i no, i i think that's i think that's it overall like i can appreciate the the handling of the action scenes and the and the the saw like torture devices and stuff but it's it's ultimately that really bad tonal inconsistency between the first two acts of the film and then the third act that really made this a uh, a mess for me and i think there are still a lot of things that i appreciated about it mm-hmm. I don't hate this movie Same. by any means, but just
1: disappointed.
0: Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's like it it had a lot of potential to be really good, mm-hmm. but it wasted that potential by not being able to decide what kind of movie it wanted to be. Go ahead and add some final thoughts and throw yeah. A no, I was, on that, that. I think that's I'm that's done. What I was going to gonna yeah. do. Yeah, I I like a lot of the things about the movie. Um, I I liked the world building up to a point. I liked a lot of the characters up to a point. Um, I, I agree with you that the that the the set design and costume design was probably the strongest aspect of, of the film. There was a lot of really cool stuff to look at, um, and so in that sense they used their budget very well. Overall, not a terrible film, but largely disappointing because of its tonal inconsistency. I'm going to give it a 3 out of 5 pods.
2: Yeah, so I think uh Gareth Evans does a strong job with action in this movie where it really falls on its face is the story. Like we've been saying it it's very messy and tonally inconsistent. I thought the acting was strong and the period design was strong, but overall it just it was all over the place and didn't decide on one, you know, consistent tone throughout which was its ultimate shortcoming. So I'm going to give it a three as well.
1: I have uh, little to add. Uh, I think we're, we're in pretty good agreement on this one. Um, I do want to ask, uh, it's, it's been a, f- a week or two since I've seen it. Um, what are y'all's thoughts on the score, the soundtrack?
0: I don't remember it. Neither do I.
1: But I, yeah. But I think probably effective. I guess like I, it, never, I, it wasn't in, bad,
0: inoffensive. Yeah, but, yeah. but clearly, but, I, but largely, but largely forgettable. I can't remember anything about it. Yeah. i remember like
1: digging on like some Gregorian Channing stuff that they did, and like some, uh, some like heavenly choir stuff at the beginning. At the very beginning, yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's all. Uh, yeah, also a three from me. I think it was. Okay. It had some strong moments, but at the end, it didn't. It didn't pay off the way I wanted it. Uh, all right, ideally
0: unanimous three out of five pods for apostle uh let us know your thoughts on it which which half do you like better (laughs) are there people out there who like the whole thing go so tell me about it go watch the raid movies instead of this um yeah i haven't even seen them i can (laughs) can say that that's probably a safe bet but
1: i'm curious to see them yeah um all right moving on Uh,
0: Okay, so the next film we're going to be talking about is Summer of 84, an 80s nostalgia trip written by two people and directed by three other people. <laughs>
2: well, I, I already know what you feel about this movie. Y- y'all strap yourselves um, in. We're about to
1: disagree hard. <laughs>
2: well, this movie was directed by the people who did Turbo Kid. Um, I didn't know that. right. Which, I when I found that, that out, that. makes a lot of sense. It does. Um It is a story about a group of kids in the summer of 84 living in the suburbs. Um, There is a serial killer in the area, and they believe it is one of the kids' police officer neighbor. And so they spend the whole movie investigating and trying to get to the root of the mystery
0: that is accurate. That, yeah, so yeah. I I'll I'll let you guys start, I guess. Okay. Um, oh man. Yeah. I did not like this movie at all, which is a shame because I I went into it expecting good things, having heard relatively good things, and it was a supreme letdown. I think for both of us, Cleveland. I think you hated it more than I did. Yeah, I I
1: found this film to be a bummer of '84, if <laughs> if anything. Uh, and uh, that is not an Su- excuse man, for a pun. Summer that of is, disappointment. Man. I was very bummed out by this movie, and
2: was I, I, a bummer of '84. Go ahead. Okay, yeah,
1: I, I have a lot to unpack about this film. Um, so uh, uh forgive me, but yeah, I'm going to go on a, a bit of a rant. Um, I'm going to start by saying that the '80s is. Probably my favorite setting, uh, in in film. I have a great deal of nostalgia for it. Um, I, I grew up on, you know, 80s cartoons, uh, and of course Steven Spielberg movies and et cetera, et cetera. We're working on a film that is highly inspired by that sort of thing. I think that yeah. I am my my truest self when I'm painting saccharin colors listening to you know 80s electro and new and new retro wave like that's that's my jam um i will also lead with a positive i think the soundtrack was very good for this movie beyond that i had a, a world of problems i went into this film not seeing any trailers not knowing anything about it other than it is called summer of 84 it's clearly like set in the 80s and an homage to the 80s i was very very disappointed from that point on and i don't have very high expectations for that for that genre either i don't think i just if anything, I I tend to have pretty rose-colored glasses for it, uh, and and try to be very forgiving of it. Uh, and again, like Mandy was my favorite film last year, or next to Annihilation, I love that genre.
2: I don't think Mandy is terribly eighties, but it it is definitely neon.
1: I, I think Mandy's extremely '80s. I think I think that all the 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 references to it, all the homages, well, are, are built out, out of the '80s, the, and it's, it's set, in the, set in, the in the '80s. Um, the you know all the all the monsters and the action sequences are inspired by '80s action but films. But from
0: but from a filmmaking standpoint, it 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 takes a very modern approach to filmmaking. The I think.
1: pacing is very modern.
0: Yeah, so in that in that sense, like I I agree with both of you. Like it's definitely eighties inspired, but it's like an updated take on the eighties. Mm-hmm. Whereas something like Stranger Things or Summer of Eighty Four is much more like directly trying to rip off the eighties.
2: You know, this is kind of a trend at this point, just uh doing eighties 80s pastiche movies It's a kids. bandwagon, yeah. Um, you know, between... Stephen, be- Stephen
0: King mania. Stranger
2: Things and it, you know, it, it's a common thing. Which it's what I'm say, here for. I will say I thought this movie did a pretty solid job with that um, because it felt very authentic in a way some of those don't necessarily feel. I... Where it felt like it could have come out of that time.
1: I, More I so, especially disagree. especially
2: narratively, in a way where it felt Spielbergian, and uh, it felt very influenced by people like Joe Dante or Chris Colombo. Sure, the characters can be a little, you know, on the nose, but these are the people who did Turbo Kid. You know, they aren't necessarily subtle filmmakers and i knowing knowing they did turbo kid going in made me forgive some of that i think a little bit more because i think this movie in comparison to turbo kid is pretty nuanced
0: i i have not seen turbo kid um i i remember watching the red letter media video on it and it seemed intriguing my my problem with this is the the time that it it they decided to make this movie because I I I kept trying to not make Stranger Things comparisons and I couldn't. It felt so much like the Walmart brand of Stranger Things. It's like, okay, like I I get what you're doing, but the name brand does it better. You know, and I, I I could not yeah, stop. Unf- I, I kept trying. I'm like, I'm like, no, this is a separate thing. This yeah. is not Stranger Things. This is not it. It's its own entity. I kept trying to give it the benefit of the doubt, and I and I just couldn't.
1: Yeah, I and- remember saying as much halfway after- through the See, film, too, like we – I was like, oh, you know, I, I need to stop trying to compare this to Stranger Things. But the, the unfortunate fact is this film does not exist in a vacuum, and it's very difficult to do that. Yeah. I would also like to bring up that I have seen Turbo Kid. And I, I very much so enjoyed that film. I thought, I thought it was a, it was a great, fun movie. And I, also I Turbo Kid, no. which, and also I didn't know that they directed that. Uh, they also directed Tur- Turbo Kid until you brought it up just now. And I. I find that really interesting because Turbo Kid was actually kind of on the front line of the the '80s bandwagon. Like they they were doing it uh, a little bit before, like everyone else, and before Stranger Things and before the the and new retro wave was even that much of a thing. Like as a as a genre of music, like it's fairly early into that. And I'm I was much more willing to be forgiving of the problems that Turbo Kid had because I think that movie. It looks like they had a lot of fun making it, and it's it's a fun film to be along the ride for, uh, and it's a lot easier to i think to be forgiving of that film but this movie uh, my problems that i had with it were less for were, were less easy to forgive but it, ben it seems like you have something you want to
2: say yeah well i think i think with turbo kid and we'll go back into summer of 84 but turbo kid i've really liked it as well i thought it was a, an excellent movie um but it in a way that movie feels very inauthentically 80s like it it's very pastiche it takes from a lot of things without feeling necessarily like something pinpointed. And this, whereas Summer of 84, it feels more of a concrete, you know, example of like The Burbs or Monster Squad or one of those type of group of kids, uh, 80s mystery movies almost.
1: I can see how you would feel like this film, it feels less displaced. Um, The thing that I... Where I would prefer Turbo, Turbo Kid is actually in that regard. I think Turbo Kid does something different. It has that kind of like modern kind of like uh, that that indie feel to it that that uh, gave it its its own sort of creative uh, validation. It's clearly standing on the shoulders of 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 larger giants like Mad Max and the like, and it had a much lower budget than those movies. Uh, but there was something very. Cute about that. It 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 had been very indie and fun, um, and for and it was very forgivable. And I think that its creativity was a strong point, and that it, its its differences helped set it aside. Where it's like, oh cool, they're paying homage to Mad Max. It's clearly a love letter to those movies, but they are doing their own thing with it. Whereas this film, I thought was actually a pretty poor example of, of homage. I didn't think that it did anything to make it its own. It it uh, any of the the remarks, uh, especially like uh, there are some there are several times in the dialogue where in one sentence they just like the kids are saying like, "Hey, what if Ewoks and Gremlins though?" You remember right. you remember these movies that are better,
0: right? No, no, no. Like, I, I was going to say the same thing. This actually in a, this movie in a lot of ways feels inauthentically eighties to me in the respect that it doesn't trust. Itself to just exist in the 80s, it has to constantly. Or trust the
1: audience to or, remember it. Yeah,
0: it, that it has to constantly be referencing the 80s in really heavy handed ways. Like uh, one another one of the scenes where they're hanging out in the treehouse and they're sort of making fun of the protagonist because he's a truther. And it's like, oh, remember the time you hooked your light bright up to your, your MIDI keyboard to communicate with extraterrestrials or that you told us that our houses are all built on Indian burial grounds? It's like, hey, remember Close Encounters of the Third Kind? And hey, remember Poltergeist? Yeah. Hey, in remember this,
1: these better movies? In
0: the same sentence. And then later the, the kid whose dad is like a like a cameraman for the news and he's like he's like hey can I use such and such he's like no that's the 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 station's equipment and the kid's like how am I ever gonna be the next Spielberg if I don't such and such mm-hmm. it's like okay
1: yeah it's it, like the, we, we get it yeah the it, film has a huge like hard-on for like 80s culture and those films but it doesn't bring anything new to the table. It just, it just asks you to remember those, those other films you could be watching. Um, and meanwhile, uh, and again, I, 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 as much as I want to avoid Stranger Things comparatives, I think there isn't a, there isn't a choice and Stranger Things, whenever it does have its product placement, and in some cases has the same ones, um, they're, they're generally background or they are built in organically. Uh, for instance, uh, something that both these films do is they have the Reagan Bush signs in the front yard. this, Summer of 84 has direct shots where someone puts down the sign and it focuses on it for a second. And the cinematography is just saying, is just shouting, hey, remember this? Remember these? And there's nothing else built on that. It doesn't have anything to do with the characterization. It doesn't, you know, like we don't learn the political motives of those parents or say like, oh, yeah, they I, totally would be Reagan Bush. I
2: mean, I disagree. That's the family that were fighting all the time that the rebel kid was from, you know. Right, but
0: we don't. Other, other than the fact that we hear his parents arguing from outside the house, and that his brother's a douchebag, and he's he's edgy, you know. Like there is there's never any other development development into mm-hmm. his home life or or where that yeah. character comes from or why. Yeah, and you and again, know? the primary
1: issue I have with it isn't even necessarily a justification. It's the I don't think there was an—well, no. It is both. I don't think there was enough justification. There was some, but there was definitely not enough to have it be such a a, a centralized moment. Like, the camera hangs on it for a good while, and it just says, like, hey, remember this. And we're, meanwhile, it is in the background in Stranger Things. It is a It is a secondary— Prop, yeah, for instance, set, whenever set yeah, and I there's didn't... another sequence in Stranger Things, for instance, when they're sitting down with Barb's family, and um, uh, I can't remember the, the kid's name, but he says like, "Hey, man, that was finger licking good," but and the whole and the family laughs at that, and it, that's one of the most heavy handed moments in Stranger Things. But even in that sequence, it feels organic. That's something that someone would say at that time. That's like, they that's would show that, like, the, you know, like, the... The KFC well,
0: commercials and, would and be that's, that's the Yeah, because... And he
1: says it sarcastically almost, too, which is which is fun. Like that's there's... the
0: reas-
2: One of the reasons on the flip side that I don't... I'm not terribly bothered by how many uh, referential stuff they have in this movie in terms of the dialogue is... Because, like, if you listen to teenagers and kids of that age, like... They are just referencing movies all the time. Yes, you know? that is very Especially true. Especially at the
1: time. You yeah, know? when we were kids, we did the same thing. Yeah. We would say, "Hey, what if you but watch it, but it Gremlins?" But it I agree doesn't with feel, that.
0: It doesn't feel natural in their dialogue in the movie and the stuff that they're mm-hmm. talking about. See, it I feels disagree. it feels shoehorned. I, I disagree.
2: Think- I th- I felt like it felt somewhat authentic. And on on the flip side, on the the in respects to the product placement Reagan Bush stuff, I think if they would have. Uh, you know, given that more explanation, it would have felt more heavy handed. I like how minimal it is. I think the idea that it's this, you know, re- rebel kid from a conservative, uh, dysfunctional household is enough.
0: To build that character without it feeling... Not, I would say I'm it's not, enough,
1: it, but the cinematography made it too much. Well, that's what, that's I, what made yeah. it... I have a problem with how heavy-handed it was. It's,
0: it's not that I needed more development on why they had the Reagan Bush Yeah, side, I agree that would be too much. It's, it's the fact that the way that part was shot is that they had to hang on it to be like, oh, make sure we see it. If it had just been in the background and something you pick up, it's like, oh, they got a Reagan Bush sign. That's like Cleveland saying, that's something that Stranger Things does really well. It's the fact that they had to make it a point to linger on that and be like, oh, look, Reagan Bush,
1: 80s. Now, I do have another point that I think will give Ben some justification to, and that is a lot of the awkward sort of moments or the artificial aspects of this film – are somewhat justified in that they are shot and set to feel like an 80s film, which Stranger Things doesn't necessarily do. Stranger Things has very modern pacing, and it tries to bring as much realism into itself as it can. Sure. Whereas a lot of those Steven Spielberg films from that same era do feel very artificial in a way that this film captures. And so it is trying to do something different from a directorial standpoint than Stranger Things is. And- I think it does succeed on that front. Like, it does feel like it was shot in di- – it feels like it was directed in the 80s, which Stranger Things doesn't. It feels like it's set in the 80s. I think, I think that the modern approach is more effective, personally, but I do see what they're doing there. Mm-hmm. Uh, my issue is that they don't do anything else. They don't, they don't bring anything new to the table beyond that. It is only a love letter to, to a degree that I found very boring. It's something I'd seen before. And it didn't give me anything. And if anything, I'd again, I'd seen it better done. There were several good ideas in this film, but they never were brought to fruition. And there was nothing very creative. There was nothing to me creative about this film. Um, yeah, it was it was all structured around homages. It was all structured around that. But but even then, to the to the degree where I was like, hey, this is a cliche from the '80s, but that's all it is. Right. A, and there were entire scenes that played out that way where I would be sitting there being like, cool. I've seen this before.
0: That's, that's I know what thing. you're doing. Was, I know what's happening. There was nothing. Give me something. There was nothing for me in this movie that I had not seen done better by something else. That that was ultimately the problem. It's not like it was completely incompetent. In 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 fact, in terms of like what it does, it's it is it is competent. But the problem is that it's not it's not bringing anything new or interesting. Everything that it does, like okay. I see what you're doing, but this does it better. And
1: even I, in the way that it's compiled together, that has been done before. Like, that that's the other thing for me is, like, even just saying, like, oh, hey, what if we strung all of these 80s tropes together? Would that be enough to make it original and new? My answer is no. Like, it I don't think it is.
2: I'll, I'll disagree with you somewhat. I think, I think you made a really good point where Stranger Things and It you know, have the stylistic pastiche of uh, 80s movies while having a very modern approach to that. This feels much more authentically an 80s movie. And in addition, I think the, in my opinion, the shortcomings of a lot of, you know, the stranger thing, it type of things is the the two big things I have a slight problem with is uh, a reliance on sentimentality with kids. And yeah. a trapping of the supernatural, which I this movie does not do either. You could argue mm. that it's somewhat sentimental, but I don't think it's ever overly heavy-handed. Um, but ultimately, on top of that, I think the originality and the strength is from how interesting the uh, the police officer plot is. I think the the uh, Mackie himself is probably the strongest actor in the movie. I agree movie. with that. Yeah, no, I'll,
0: I'll agree with you 100% And I think
2: there. he, in a lot of ways, his nuance and characterization carries a lot of the, this movie. Oh, he definitely and carries And he brings it. the dread into this movie. And I think, in a lot of ways, that is what... Is original in the movie for me, and I think the darkness of all of that, especially in the third act, which we'll talk about a little bit later, is what really makes this movie, you know, above and beyond just your standard, well, you know, eighties affair.
0: Before before we get into Mackie, because I I think that he's probably going to be the bulk of our conversation and the plot around him. I do want to quickly jump back to your point on uh, sentimentality. Mentality. I will agree with you in everything except for one aspect that i found disgustingly sentimental and that was the relationship with the neighbor girl who he has a, who they all have a crush on yeah i thought that was grossly sentimental and also gross because she seems to have a thing for him and she's 18 and he's like 15 yeah that that whole thing was Oh no! I did not like. My, that. I think,
1: yeah, it, it really culminated into just a big ball of shittiness for me when they're peeping on her and they're rewarded for it. Right. Like uh, that—that's where I really felt like the—the the first time that I really felt like the the directors and writers were just jacking themselves. Like they're, off. they're
0: constantly they're constantly objectifying her in a way that is not. Mm-hmm unreasonable for for kids their age, but the fact that they focus on it so much and that the writers reward that by her kissing the main character later yeah. after like the entire first half of the movie is them talking about like what they would do to her sexually and like yeah. they would get her pregnant yeah. and like spying on her through the window as she's undressing it's very and masturbatory I, and, and like they, it's and it's, they it's they like were, yeah, yeah it's,
1: it's the directors g- engaging in their own like fucked fantasy I, and well
0: I
2: think I think it's the weakest part weakest subplot in the movie but I will say it does feel authentically 80s that would be in an 80s movie sure but that doesn't mean it's a good thing well i i think but that does fit in the time period is, of I mean, yes. the movies but i i,
0: I will know. i will agree with you there but that being said this is a film that was made in 2017 2018 and it's not an 80s film and you can pick and choose what aspects of 80s films that you want to have in your movie and you don't have mm-hmm. to have the the super 80s perviness you can do it in a way that feels more innocent with with kids like horny teenagers there's plenty of ways to do that without it actually like skeeving out the viewer and paying off yeah and paying off and rewarding them for their perviness right like i understand it's an aspect of the 80s but whereas something we were talking about with like silent night deadly night and the the what cleveland would consider the glorification of rape and the way that it's shot it's like okay that is problematic but that was a film that was shot that was made in the '80s. So it's like you can look at it through that lens where yeah it's gross but it's like and consider the time period. Still you know, not justified. Still not justified Absolutely but this is not. but this is a film this is a modern film and mm. they chose and they still chose to I do mean, that. I mean that is a very valid
2: point and I won't argue that that subplot was pretty weak. What I will say is like you look at some 80s movies that have those kind of subplots in them, and they're they're even worse.
0: Sure, you know, sure.
1: So yeah. like, it just doesn't absolutely. still doesn't bring any justification to me. Yeah,
2: considering it, it is subdued in comparison, especially since they give her character a little more screen time and nuance in their conversations. But I will say, some of that stuff at the beginning okay. is because here is the thing:
1: when those things were happening in the film. I was skeezed by them, and I had a problem with them. But I was also open to there being a different kind of payoff that would justify those well, things. Well,
0: right. The my like, the thing, the thing that confused and bothered me the most was her developing relationship with the main character over the course of the film,
1: which is also entirely arbitrary.
0: It is. It, it has no. It has no real payoff. Uh, but to establish at the beginning that like she was his babysitter and that she's obviously older she's it's established that she's going off to stanford in the fall she's moving so she is of college age she's a young adult and he's a 15 year old they're they're like they're pubescent teens and she starts like developing like an almost ro- romantic relationship with him I mean, she, she
1: just does yeah like yeah she's, and like she and she that. like
0: she wants to hang out with him, she wants to drink with him, like she wants him to sneak over to her house so they can talk, oh, I don't have any friends in this town except for you, a fifteen year old boy, and like that stuff all just didn't it wasn't believable first of all, and it was also a little creepy
1: mm-hmm.
0: um i, I I no, I, I didn't. I didn't really like any of that.
1: Yeah, this film, yeah, I, I found it did nothing to th- it. Never once threw my expectations. Uh, personally, I think that I found I found the characters to be milk toast from beginning to end. Uh, all the characters are the archetypes that they are, and they maintain those throughout well, the film. That's, There's that's, no arc.
0: That's the thing. The something that I noticed very early on is the the four kids. Are the exact same as the four kids from Stand By Me.
1: Hey, do you remember Stand By Me? It's, it's a really good all, film. They
0: all they fit the exact same archetypes. Main character in this is the main character in Stand By Me. Uh, the Cor- Corey Feldman is the is the nerdy glasses kid in this movie. The fat kid is the fat kid, and the rebellious kid is the River Phoenix. Except character.
1: less developed across the board. Well,
0: right. I, I, I would definitely likeable. agree yeah.
2: that they're archetypal, but I think. The reason it worked somewhat for me is there's a dark veneer under the surface that, you know, they, they hint on throughout. Yeah, but wouldn't the movie. you say The Stand By Me has
1: the same thing? Uh,
2: yeah, absolutely. Done I, better. I, I mean, think. yes, yes. But between the Mackie stuff and the third act, I think that stuff for me is forgiven a little bit more just because they're trying to play into those standards and then reverse the table on
1: you. Except, um, the, was the table ever reversed? The, the theory at the beginning of the film is that Mackie is the killer, the and that is maintained minutes. throughout the entire film.
0: And then it does turn out to be true, to the point that I was thinking throughout a lot of the movie, I'm like, they're laying on so heavy-handedly that Mackie is the serial killer that it's going to turn out to not be him. I was thinking, it's it's got to be somebody different. It, they Like, they have to be wrong because they set it up so early and then they don't. It's I, still, and not it's, in a way that I, defies
1: I, expectation. I, I think the reversing
2: it's, of the table comes in the last 15 minutes. But let's wait to talk about that until we talk a little bit more about Mackie. Yeah, okay. okay. Um, because I think Mackie was the strongest character in this movie. Definitely. And the, I, would, I, would,
1: uh, I would go as far as to say as well. the only competent actor in the film. But I'm sure, you know.
2: I mean, I, I don't think the kids were the worst actors. Oh, I, I, I absolutely did, yeah. I, uh, the
1: editing didn't help. When you have a second of, of pausing between each piece of dialogue, I, I felt like the editor... Sorry to interrupt you, Ben. The, I felt like the editor had all, like almost a one-second rule where anytime someone said something, there was a, a one-second pause before the next line queued up, which just let like any poorly delivered line or mediocre really line hang just hang in the air, in the air and it... Uh, and again, like that is how a lot of films from that time were edited, but also better acted in. Like the the Goonies has pretty fun acting in it. Like it's not terrible, and these kids were nowhere near as 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 on par as the actors and those films.
2: I didn't I didn't find the acting of the kids all that bad. It didn't feel that much worse than. The Goonies acting, I, but or I, Monster Squad, or something like I that. I think another where...
0: problem is that I think that they're extremely weak actors in comparison to the kids from Stranger Things mm-hmm. or from It. And their
1: characters are also written so much more weakly as well. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's also just, I, I mean, at least for Stranger Things, Stranger Things is long-form storytelling, so they have a lot of time to develop their characters, but yeah, I, I think that the only kid that I liked out of the four of them was the fat kid. And and he dies.
1: Mm-hmm. And <laughs> even then, like again, like in the Goonies, like the characters like their archetypes change. They they have lessons and like they 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 become better selves by the end of the movie. Like they, they stand up to their fears or deal with their problems in some way. And in, in this film they, they just they just stay the same. Yeah, the I wouldn't time. say
0: any of these kids really have arcs, except in the fact that uh, towards the end of the movie, uh, um, angsty kid and glasses kid, for virtually no reason, decide to abandon uh, their their other. Friends. Yeah,
1: that which was weird. But here we've we've interrupted Ben's <clears throat> point long enough. I'll let Yeah, you let's first. talk so, about
2: Mackie. Um, yeah, I, I thought Mackie was really strong, and I don't think the kids are all that weak. In my opinion, I think. Uh, you know, going back to even some of the more problematic stuff, I felt like that stuff worked to make the kids feel less saccharine than they do in things like Stranger Things. Uh, and to an extent, it, it does it a little better than Stranger Things, but they feel like, you know, actual kids that are having, you know... Vulgar conversations. I mean, that's what middle schoolers do. Yeah, that's you true. Know? But and I, I, felt like that was a little more authentic. Um, but I think over uh, more than anything, they were a vehicle to you know showcase Mackie in a lot of ways because I think the the way Mackie is played as this kind of creep that you don't quite know if they're doing a bait and switch on you or not throughout the whole movie works really well for me because you know you go through the whole movie expecting them to do like a fake out on you right and you almost are trying to guess who it's gonna be if not mackie
1: but who else could it be who else do they present in the film that it could be other than the girlfriend that's the only other like secondary or periphery character who could be the serial killer. Like it can't really be a who done it if there's only one or maybe two people who could have done it.
0: Yeah, I, I I kind of agree. I think that it would have it would have been better had if they had put more red herrings in the film to because it's like the the way they approach it it does make you think surely it has to be somebody else. But they don't present anybody. There is no that one it else could it could be. be. Yeah. So I'm like I'm like. So, Even, like, a mailman. Like, I, I literally felt, nothing. I I felt like they were just going to introduce a new character who was the killer at the end, and then it still just turns out to be Mackie. And it's like, okay, that's what you've been telling us from, from ten minutes into the movie up till this point. Why is that satisfying for me to yeah. have that confirmation?
2: Like, there's well, a, well, I, I think, think, if a, anything, the fake-out would be them just not discovering...
1: Who the yeah, but it's a movie. Is. Like that's not going to happen. Like that—that's they're never going to not think, discover I think they, the killer. I think they
0: even almost set it up to imply that there were two killers at at one point, but. That turned out to just be bad mm-hmm. editing, I think, because like you you have the, the scene where um, like the one, the, the new kid who we never learn anything about is walking home at night and he turns around and sees somebody. and We hear heavy footsteps and he gets scared and he runs and he turns down an alley and then he gets grabbed from behind him off camera. And I was like, oh. There might be two killers. Mm-hmm. Cause how did the killer get from here to over here in that time? Like, oh, it's it there's multiple killers.
1: See and then there wasn't. It was like, oh well that's My thing just is I wasn't even editing. like, oh, there might be multiple killers. I was like, Oh, there might be multiple killers. Why did I feel that way? Because I wasn't in any way tied to that person. Who is this random person getting killed off? You know, or, or taken, actually. And like I mean, there's there's nothing I hadn't seen before in that sequence either. It was a person I didn't have any direct reference to so i had no concern for just being you know like vanished why am i worried for this person it's it's just he's just a mechanism like for for the the killer i found little to no tension for the majority of the film uh or any worry for these these characters because it feels like because we don't know if their fear over mackie is justified So you don't really know, like, okay, are these kids actually scared of this guy or not? Or did these kids have a reason to be scared of this guy? Probably, but we don't know that. And, you know, or are these kids just fucking up? I was kind of hoping that the film might take an arc where the kids were actually the problem and that the serial killer maybe wasn't anybody and that the kids were just fucking up this guy's life for no reason, which I think could make for a very funny premise. Like, like, and I think it would make for a better premise.
2: That's what I kind of meant with them not... Finding the actual serial killer being the possible twist that I was almost expecting. You
1: well, know? you'd still want you'd find the serial killer. You just find the serial killer to not be Mackie, and that the the kids were just fucking up this guy's life. Like, and I think that that, that is still a, a a type of payoff. Yeah, I think
0: that's. And the thing I think it's thing a better payoff. I, I wanted when I was watching the movie, I wanted them to be wrong about Mackie so much because. I mean, let's just, let's just be honest. Like these kids are kind of little shitheads. Yeah. Like I didn't, any, I didn't really any other like them film... much. Like I wanted them to be wrong. Yeah. I, I didn't want them to, them to be justified mm-hmm. in what they were doing. And so in that sense, the fact that Mackie does turn out to be the serial killer, like they've been telling us for the whole movie, it felt unsatisfying because I wanted, I wanted there to be that right. Yeah. And
1: it says like, Hey, it's okay to spy on your neighbors. Cause they might be serial killers. It's like, well, no, you shouldn't fucking spy on your neighbors. And like they, they again they reward shitty behavior so many times in this film to what end?
2: I don't know. I, I think it reminded me in a way uh, of like rear window almost. And you know, it's kind of a slow discovery of things that might be up, but not being a hundred percent sure. I like the slow discovery of things like the shed and the the MTV shirt in the back, setting up the radios, him putting it in the window because he found it, them kind of looking through the 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 upper window while playing manhunt. I I thought all of that stuff was interesting enough to keep me invested in it. I
0: think I think the difference with something like Rear Window is in like Rear Window, you have the aspect of Jimmy Stewart being. Crippled, so he's the the amount of information that he can glean is limited entirely to what he's able to see out his window. So it leaves a lot more room for doubt. Um, whereas in this movie, the movie never presents there being any real doubt that Mackie is is the the killer. The only reason that you do doubt is because it's so heavy handed in its certainty that Mackie is the killer that it seems. Too certain, well, I, but then I think, it just I think is. It, it, the the main character certainty
2: is in contention because he is so into conspiracies. You know, like you are following that kid's viewpoint directly, right.
1: which again has been done before. Like, oh, and you've what? read too many comic books as a kid. I mean, and that's what? a cliche.
2: Like, it, it is a
1: like that's forgiven in like in many horror movies from that time period. You know, to the point like where again, what? like. Uh, uh, let me th- let me think of some examples off the top of my head. What are what are some films where the characters say, "Oh, you've read too many comic books." Oh, you, like I I I know I, I've heard that several. See, times I, I in think films. I think
2: I think another example of a movie that does something similar, but not nearly as well as this movie, would be like Disturbia, which is you know, which like is just Rear Window, Rear Window essentially, except Shia
0: LaBeouf is not disabled in it. You know. Yeah, but he the, the, he can't leave the house because of the ankle yeah. bracelet. So it's the same conceit, but also Disturbia is literally just a ripoff of Rear yes, Window. Yes, yes. Um, and I haven't seen Disturbia. I have no doubt that it's same. not a very good movie. Um, but I I think it's it, it is the exact same conceit as Rear Window. Let's let's talk about the the last part. Let's get into that because we still have a whole other movie to yes. talk about after this and i don't want us to go in circles too much. Mm-hmm. You you seem like you had some things you wanted yeah, to say. Yeah, so about
2: the so i was a little worried about this movie right near the end uh because the uh kids while Mackie is at a festival parade thing after he's captured the serial killer right. um they they break into his house and go into his basement and they discover a dead body in the bathroom and a bunch of pictures of his victims and, and the kid who was kidnapped earlier yeah the also kid the who was kidnapped yep. in the in the bathroom and they had taken uh his dad's uh video camera right. and they and shoot the whole yep. thing and it ties it all up so cleanly they presented to the police and obviously they're like oh man i guess he was the killer all along and I was just like, "Oh no! Is that how they're gonna end it? Just this cleanly? Like his, I, I was afraid of that." His too. love interest mm-hmm. is like, uh, my parents were. Uh, Smiling. Oh together. fuck! Oh yeah, me. They, they hated hugged each other. I yeah, hated that. Each other. So so much. I was like, oh no, is that what they're gonna do? I mean, they still then, did
1: that. Like that still well, happened. Well,
2: okay. That, that but, moment, I know
1: what you mean about the closing. But that, I will that scene, say, sorry,
2: it doesn't end. Happily, it doesn't yeah. end yeah. like that, which is what I'm thankful for. I, I agree. That, I, that I,
1: character's arc, though. Yeah, I,
2: I agree. I see. Well, I even thought, with the with the girl,
0: because you I see thought she was gonna get killed after that. Yeah.
1: Well, no, but just that that scene happened at all was was unfortunate to me like like her it, it was just so artificial and like and so oh yeah my parents might be getting back together because of this arbitrary thing that has nothing to do with my parents See, like
2: i think that strengthens the very end though, in a way because it makes it feel even darker because it wraps it up so cleanly that the darkness is almost more unexpected um so after after that all happens, you know, Mackie is still at large and they go back to the house and the fat kid is staying with the main character because his mom is a drunk. Um, well, n- and I, also because you know he wants to be safe. I, I don't.
0: I don't think she's a drunk. She's a single mom, and she she works incredibly long shifts at the hospital. Yeah. That, okay. That's, yeah. yeah. That's that's mostly what everyone. It
1: mechanism like from like a, a real world sense, it I, makes I, sense I bring, too. Because like if your kid that, is like dealt with that kind of trauma, you want to be around his other friends, right, So like he feels. You I, know.
0: I bring up I bring up the point about his mom because it'll lead into something after this. But continue. Yes. Uh. So they're staying together,
2: and it turns out. Mackie is uh, hiding hiding in their (laughs) attic, and while everyone is asleep, he kidnaps the two
0: kids. Which how?
1: Yeah, there's a there are police guards out front, and it just cuts away. And also,
0: how did he like that? That the fat kid is big. Like he's like close to my size. Like how did Mackie single handedly kidnap? Uh, the main character and his big tubby mm-hmm. friend, and get them out of the house into his car, his yeah. police like, cruiser. The fat kid. without mm-hmm. anybody like, noticing. The fat kid
1: was clearly the oldest actor of the children, to the point where they even felt the need to allude to it in the writing, where the kids just say, like, "Oh, you look like you're thirty anyway." Well,
0: because they they because they, they, steal, they steal his yeah. mom's yeah. car, so it's like, it's he's, like, like, a like he's a big kid, he's a big dude,
1: yeah. And like, how do you get both of those those children, like, out of the house? Like, with yeah. again, they're police guarding out front. And it's another moment where they, they kind of, I feel like they didn't really know how, how to pick their tone with this character because just like in the kill scene or, or the, the, the kidnapping scene with the, the unknown kid, they just break physics. You know, it's like, oh, he's just suddenly behind him. Um, oh, he just gets them out of the house. Who cares how? Like that right? kid, well, that like, kid
0: easily weighs two hundred pounds, and I would challenge anybody, no matter how strong they are, to carry something that is two hundred pounds out of a house downstairs past
1: a police escort
0: without without making any noise. Well,
2: the police escort, you know, at that time of the night wasn't necessarily there,
0: and on no, they were shown that- to be there. Yeah, we saw them outside the the window earlier in the night. I mean, they would have been staking out Mackie's house to see if he came home. Like he was still, he was still on the lam. Like they discovered that even when the kids go to
1: bed, like the police are like outside the window. The police would be
0: there keeping guard on the kids. Like they're set up to still be there. They they would expect Mackie to to come back for those kids. Yeah, but regardless, it's it that that is just another thing that I think is sloppy, but
2: it doesn't. It doesn't bother me that much. They they give a few outs with him having extra cars in, you know, in that remote garage. You know that he can swap.
0: That's um, true. That Although helped a little bit when they when they wake up and he has them out on the island in the woods. We do see that he's in. They're in his. Yeah. If cruiser. anything, I would
2: assume he just swapped the cars. You know, could be. And there's there's you know some outs that they give themselves, so it's not completely unbelievable. I will say the scene that follows it is. Arguably the best scene. The best in the scene movie. in the movie. You know, yeah, definitely. They, he Agreed. kidnaps them, takes them out to the woods, essentially just hunts them down as they run in the woods. Uh, they they come across the uh, pool of bodies that he has soaking in sodium hydroxide? Something like
0: peroxide. that. What I, what people I, melt in acid. People melt in acid. Yeah. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. What I will say, I... I don't think his motivations for taking them out to that island are particularly well-developed, but I think that sequence in general is pretty good, Uh, specifically after he has killed the fat kid, which I hated because that was the only kid that I actually liked out of the I wasn't
2: expecting that to happen in this movie, Uh, though. No, it's true. Especially with how the rest of the movie played. It really pulled the rug out from under me.
1: I don't think I wasn't. I wasn't not expecting it. Sorry, that's a weird way to phrase it, but I, I feel like I was expecting it. You were expecting it. an
2: on screen kill of a kid?
1: not an on-screen kill but i mean the film's already like killed kids like so you know we just saw a whole not, series not of children's corpses in that matter, well, we, i mean we just saw like a whole a field of children's corpses well, that, like exa- melting in that acid scene, like, In that like,
0: scene you know that well, we that we see but the we see the child's corpse in the bathtub in the in the basement yeah. prior to yeah that. like
1: that yeah, that that has for me i think it has been established enough i just didn't want it to happen and i think that's the key difference
0: i would have been fine with it with any other character i i just and and maybe that's maybe it's a good thing yeah i think that's the point i I like because he's so likable. i like that character and like having him say before that like i can't die tonight i my mom needs me i have to take care of my mom we see that she's a single mom and that she's she's poor and that she's working so many hours to try to you know provide for her and her son and he's obviously has a sense of helplessness that he can't make it better for his mom and right after we see that we just Mm -hmm. see him get his throat cut on camera and maybe that is the film doing a good job at making me feel something for characters that i otherwise wouldn't feel anything about personally i think that's the point i don't
1: i don't think that really like changed justification because in films especially from the 80s and stuff like you have Usually, if someone sets up that they have a wife and kids, like in a war movie, they're the ones who's going to die. If the, the cop's cop about to retire, retire. <laughs> he's going to be the one who dies. If they if they set up any kind of uh, justification for the character's death being effective, then it's probably going to happen. They did, and they did that. You see, and here's
2: I, the thing. I think the, the rest of the movie sets up that feeling of an 80s movie so well that with the last 15 minutes, it completely subverts that and takes it to a much darker place than you would see in that type of movie and in that respect i think it works because of it i think i think having that that dark kill you know seeing it directly hits home so much. You, it makes you feel something. It's horrifying to watch. I mean, like, honestly, it's probably the scariest part of the movie it's just the, because you feel for that character and you don't want him to die. It,
0: it is the one part of the movie that made me feel anything other than frustration. So I, I will give it kudos for that.
1: Yeah, I I definitely think this is the strongest part of the movie, especially Mackie's uh, monologue afterwards. Yes. I felt like that yes. was a very effective scene, and I think it was... Not just the best scene in the movie, but you know, I get personally. I, I think it was the only really good scene in the movie. It was the only one that I, I really enjoyed, I agree. and I think it was way, way, way too late in the game I to agree. to give me anything like that. Uh, but going back to again, specifically the the fat kid's throat being slit. My issue is that from a a filmmaking perspective, it wasn't that original of a kill it's a simple it's a simple like blood drag it's just you know he pulls a knife across his throat and like there's and there's just the blood on the back of his like on the back of the knife like it's not
2: do you it, want like in a like a meat grinder yes <laughs> i wanted
1: something that i hadn't seen before and i've seen like that effect used it's just like the simple like they pull the knife across you know like in the original predator like with with jesse ventura like when he cuts his face shaving they had to like build a, a specifically done like screw in like blood prop into the razor to like make it look like it's cutting his skin like th- like films from that era like did some really incredible live effects and this film like and there's no originality in just slitting a throat
2: i mean i think in the the stylistic trappings of this type of movie, you know, the Monster Squads, the Burbs, even the Goonies, you wouldn't see something like that happen. I think you would, though, in, like,
1: maybe Nightmare on Elm Street or Jason, which also features, like... That's
2: a different type of movie entirely, Yeah, that's true. That's a completely different type of movie. Here's
1: one thing that isn't different, and that's the soundtrack. The soundtrack is very John Carpenter. I felt like when you're hearing that kind of soundtrack, it puts me in that place. It puts me in Nightmare on Elm Street, and it makes me want to see some Nightmare on Elm Street stuff like and, and, and a, a there is there is a monster threat, whether it's a serial killer or a paranormal entity. It's th- this the same mechanism. Um, there is an outsider threat and it's it's killing off these people and you have to try and stop it and get to the bottom of it. I felt like the, the score reinforced that. And again, also. I just wanted something new with this film, something creative. And those sorts of monster films from that same era give you that. They give you something iconic and and powerful. And I I think that Mackie was effective, but I don't think he was as effective as those other things.
2: See, I completely disagree with you because I think those movies are much different, even with the soundtrack. I mean, you look at something like Monster Squad or The Burbs and they have similar soundtracks, but they're not relying on you know, a supernatural force. Mackie is played pretty straight throughout, you know? And with the end, it really subverts the coming-of-age discovery trope of those films and takes it to a much darker place to the benefit, I think, of the rest of the film. Because I think it makes you reconsider some of the other events earlier in the movie and look at them from a bit of a different perspective
0: i don't i don't know if i necessarily agree with that but what i will say is i do appreciate the subversion of like you said the coming of age and like the kids saving the day um which they definitely do not we see that Mackie is still on the run he told the main character that as much as he wants to kill him he's gonna let him live in fear for a while and then when you least expect me I'm gonna be there and I'm gonna fucking kill you. I thought live, that monologue live in, was incredible. It was, it was excellent. Nice. It was very live, good. Live in fear. I, I liked that and that we see him you know, doing his paper route at the end his one friend is dead they're tearing down the tree house his other two friends won't look him in the eye. He sees his, his love interest leaving in the car to go off to college you know he's probably not going to see her again all of that i think especially because i fucking hated the protagonist so much for the entirety of the movie that to see his life in shambles at the end of the movie kind of was really satisfying for it's me it's such a downer <laughs> ending and it,
2: i love it because it subverts all
0: those expectations of that styling my of film. my problem is it's it's just too it's just too my, little too late. my
1: bit is i didn't feel subverted because by the by the time the kids have made it back to their home and they're they're going to sleep and everything has just been given this perfect bow on top of it the bow is too clearly perfect it's it it didn't i didn't feel subverted when the When Mackie came down from the attic, I thought the the idea was kind of fun and very 80s, like him hiding in the attic the the whole time, but I didn't feel subverted. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't not expect that. Mackie's still out. He's still loose, but everything else has been so clearly put. Like this, the bow was so big that they put on top of the script at that point to say like, look, it's all done, except for he's kind of still on the loose. Everything's fine. Get ready to roll credits. (gasps) Oh, wait, we're not rolling the credits. Well, well, yeah, of course you're not rolling the credits. Well, I mean, the
2: downer ending is definitely a subversion though. Yeah. you know, the, even the real it,
0: the real ending even is, even
2: yeah. a movie like this where you know that saccharine ending isn't the true ending they would still have the main character overcome in the end which really doesn't happen in right, the movie right which is
0: which is what i which is what i do appreciate about the movie is that it at least subverts it in that respect at the end um, but for me, it was just too little, too late because I I didn't enjoy the rest of the ride particularly. Right. So that like I mean, at least it was it, it ended in a somewhat satisfying way, but the whole movie was still so boring and uninspired for me. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and rate this just because yeah. we, we, no, got yeah, we, got we gotta we gotta move on. Yeah. Um, it had more problems than than pros for me. Um, I, I understand where you're coming from with a lot of it. Um, Just It it was not to my personal taste, and and it had enough frustrating things about it that it was not a particularly enjoyable viewing experience for me. I've definitely seen worse, so it wasn't god-awful, but uh, I'm going to give it a 2 out of 5 pods, which means I actually have to update my bottom 5 of 2018 from last week, because this movie... Knocked the Cloverfield paradox out of my bottom five, uh, and this movie replaced it. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, but that that's that's just me. So two out of five pods for yeah, me. Yeah. Well, I like this movie
2: a lot more than both of you. I think it's fairly strong at what it does. It more than any other '80s styling movie. Uh, it feels authentically '80s uh, in its execution more than a lot of those. Um, I, I think Mackie is a really strong, interesting character and the way that stuff unfolds, especially in the third act is pretty strong. I do agree that, you know, some of the archetypes are very generic in a way, but that didn't bother me all that much. Ultimately, I'm going to give this a four
1: out of five.
2: Wow. I think it was pretty strong. All
0: right, Cleve.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, mm, uh, no, I feel, I feel that like Mackie's. Mackie's piece of dialogue at the very end was effective, but the problem I had is that it was the, the rest of the film. I, I felt that the whole what, what was this two and a half hours long? How long no, was it? Two an hours? An hour? Sorry, An hour fifty? Sorry, it felt an hour 50 so, yeah. Yeah. Like the the series of, uh, of of scenes that I'd just seen before in film, the the dialogue, the set dressing, all of it was something i had seen as done before to, to to the degree that it it really really hampered my experience i i um i felt very little tension or concern for any of the characters near the entirety of the experience and i i just i felt i felt it to personally i just i found it to be very milk toast um uh and there would be only any kind of payoff or tension at the very end of the film uh i I wish, I wish there had been some more sequences leading up to it. I think that there were plenty of opportunities to have that with like the, the kid who was kidnapped. Uh, that's the only like kind of kill scene we get before the very end and even then it's just a kid running down a street and then gets like taken off screen and that's it. Like there's, there's nothing, there was nothing there for me. I found it to be very void. And again, the question of who the killer is, is only confirmed and there are little to no red herrings to bring that into, into question when it comes to ambiguity. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to give it a a two as well. I just, I found so little to like out of almost the entirety of this film. Yeah. I'm I'm giving it a two.
0: All right. Well, that will give summer of 84 an average of 2.7 out of five pods, also let us know your thoughts on this because this is one where we're clearly divided and uh, I don't think there is a right or wrong answer so I'd I'd be curious to hear some other people's thoughts So, so hit us up on Twitter and let us know what you thought of that All right, the final film that we're going to be talking about today is called The Endless, directed, by, uh, directed, written, and also starring um, Aaron, Aaron Moorhead <laughs> and Justin Benson, um, about uh, two escapees from a doomsday cult who receive a uh, tape from the cult that sort of convinces them to uh, go back for a visit. And um, weirdness ensues. I will go ahead and say that I really, really liked this movie a lot overall. There was a lot of stuff to like in this movie. Much more so than I was expecting. It is my particular brand of horror that I like most uh, in, in that it is very Lovecraftian horror, Fear of the Unknown... Um, To the extent that they even open the film with a quote from H.P. Lovecraft Mm -hmm. about the greatest fear being the fear of the unknown, immediately followed by another quote that is attributed to unknown, which I liked a lot. That was very funny. I thought that that was very Mm tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, so Cleveland and I have talked about this movie together quite a bit, so I'm curious to hear your initial thoughts, Ben, before Cleveland. Yeah, I I
2: thought it was really pretty solid. I, there are a couple problems I had with it. I think the movie at its strongest is when it is subtle. Yes. Um, a lot of times throughout the movie, you know, you have kind of a slow burn of them as they go back to the cult and get reacquainted with a lot of people there and the interactions they have with other people are really interesting. The, all of the, the, characters of the cult members are really interesting yes. and well-developed and i thought that was really strong my biggest problem was when they show stuff you know whether it's the underwater kind of shape oh, in the yeah, water sure. above the, or
0: yeah when they do the shot or the or
2: the the mirrored uh Moons. Some of that stuff was, it really showed its budget more than yes. anything else. Yeah. And I think 100%. that that's its biggest shortcoming. I had a, I had a I big footnote. If they like... played that a little more subtle, it would have come off yeah. even stronger. Yeah,
0: I think I think what, what we can sort of blanket say about this movie is that in terms of storytelling, it does a really good job. At least I think so. But its shortcomings are for the most part... Uh, limited to what they were able to do with CG, and when it kind of takes you out of it, because I think I think their ideas and their concepts. And even the pacing and the way that they lay out the characters and the story and what you're discovering as you go along is incredibly strong. It's primo, yeah. But it's just at times, like you said, they show too much. And it's like, ooh, that CG does not look very great. That takes me out of it. Yeah, no, Ben, I'm I'm really glad
1: you said that. I, I had a, a footnote. Um where I was going to bring up those exact same points like yeah it's this film has a has a budget problem uh for sure and and definitely the their their eyes were bigger than their stomach
0: well what I let's let's get into the characters and the narrative a little bit before we get too much into that um just so we can set the scene a little bit um so the directors play the two main characters who are brothers um who when they were children they're They were in a car accident, and their mother died, and they were found by these people from the cult, and they were essentially raised in the cult, and then they ran away when they thought that they were all going to commit suicide. Such and such. They've been gone for ten years. The younger brother doesn't like their life outside of the cult because they're struggling. He's like everything was good when we were there. Why don't we go back? I want to I want to see my friends again. And the older brothers like, "No, they were crate, they're crazy people. Like they were going to kill themselves like and us too." He he's much more so the 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 pragmatic realist character with the responsibility of I have to take care of my younger brother.
2: Yeah, well, in a lot of ways you have the the skeptic and the the Believer, the believer archetypes. Yeah. And, you know, some of that isn't super developed, but I think their interactions with everyone else in this world is yeah. where the strengths go. Well, and, oh, how, yeah. and
0: how the two of them interact differently with the members of the cult. Yeah. Because the, brother, the older brother acquiesces to taking the younger brother back for a visit. He's like, if we go back and see it, will you, like, chill and let us, like, go back to our normal lives? We'll go back for a night, and... The way that they they interact with the members of the cult is very different, because we see the cult as this very idealized commune kind of place. They make their money by brewing beer, everybody in in the commune has their own roles, what they do, they're all very happy, they're all very welcoming, they're not particularly culty all the time but then they'll do things where the older brother would be like that's really culty you see what i'm talking about here yeah
1: yeah I, one uh one thing i i, I liked uh, about the beginning of the film is that uh i was immediately put off by the 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 quirks that the brothers had i felt they were very strange characters and i think it was a very point that
0: it almost felt like bad acting bad acting
1: yeah like like it was like oh this acting is really weird like they're doing some some weird things it feels kind of artificial Uh, i remember we had a moment where we said that to each other t so it was like oh this is i don't know how i feel about this yet but let's see how it plays out and um, I we're almost immediately rewarded. The the it's very intentional, and I think it's done well. I I've met people like that in in real well, life. Well, yeah, you you
0: start to realize that the reason they're behaving strangely is because they were raised in a cult. Yeah, they yeah. were they were conditioned, mm-hmm. and- so they they don't understand the real world. It's also impl- they they talk about a lot that they don't know how to interact with people outside of the cult. They've lived out of the cult for 10 years, but they haven't been able to make friends. They haven't been able to meet women. It's established that they're both virgins in their thirty or in their late 20s, you know? Like, they're completely unable to properly exist outside of the cult.
1: Which I think is is excellent. Like, I think it's a very ballsy move to have two protagonists that are essentially that hard to relate to in a, in a social context, and you don't see that very often. And it was done extremely well. I think it was a risky move, and I think it did pay off, uh, having, having the, the brothers be kind of hard to get a hold of at the beginning.
2: Yeah, to an extent... I don't think they're the strongest characters in this movie, but that's fine because we viewed the actions of the movie through the lens of them, so they're almost a vessel uh, for watching the movie more so than the most fleshed out characters in the and movie. And I, I think they,
0: I, I think they play as foils to each other very well they might not be the most interesting or developed characters but they're they're two sides of a coin so they almost exist better as as a combined character yeah i think that they're you can't really have one without the mm -hmm. other i I think that
1: they are they are well uh, i think they're well enough acted they're well enough established they're well enough developed i think that there are some other characters in this film that are like more intriguing and more interesting and maybe better acted but i think that Overall, they were there was nothing wrong. Yeah, in that sense,
2: I will agree that like when the movie started, I was a little worried too mm-hmm. because the acting was off. Yeah. and I I also thought the aesthetic, especially in the first like twenty minutes, was kind of weird. It's like a weirdly digital it it felt, aesthetic to it. It felt
0: like it a student film in a lot of yeah most. yeah yes. yeah
2: yeah. It was all desaturated and kind of. Uh, Oh, I don't want to say ugly, but it was kind of ugly aesthetic. A to little it. bit, yeah. The I, editing too. Like I, there was I, grew, stuff, yeah, was I will. I
1: will clunky. say.
0: I will say that I grew to like it.
2: I grew to like it once they got to the cult. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Before yeah. that, it, I had a hard time with it, but it, it, it was grew on jargon, me after yeah. long enough. And I think that's just a product of the budget. And I think it's less egregious than some of the other budgetary limitations, yeah, sure. particularly
0: in the, in the it, it, I agree. And even it then, also, it still felt
1: like a functional mechanism. It, it
0: started... Eventually, it started to feel stylistic. Uh, I would agree. Yeah. Be- especially because... And this might be jumping a bit too far ahead, but we see later that the the entity that is... Worshipped by this cult and that is controlling this area communicates to people through the uh, the medium of imagery. What? It drops it drops Polaroids. They find tapes, um, and so in a lot of ways, by the end of it, it feels like uh, while watching the movie, we are in the perspective of this god, this god power. So the fact that. The, the aesthetic is a little weird and off start it, it feels stylistic in, in a way that fits with the film, I mm-hmm.
1: think. Before we get too far into that, I will say of the three films, this is the one that I would I would recommend watching the most. Absolutely. And, and I and I and I feel the need to preface it before we, we wrap up, because I will also say that I think this film is also the best knowing as little as possible going in. I think that the 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 greatest Aspects of the exposition for this film are are learning the 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 world building and the mechanics of this movie. And if those are those are spoiled for you, I think it would kind of hamper the experience a little bit. So I will say that if you haven't seen this movie and you're intrigued by that initial premise, I would recommend I would recommend watching it first before those things are spoiled. It is on it is
0: on Netflix to an extent. I think
2: I think the execution is so creatively done that like having some of that revealed to you probably wouldn't ruin the
1: movie. I don't think it would ruin the movie, but I think it would it would hamper the experience. I think that it's part. It would take away some of the fun of the movie. I, I don't think it would take away all of the fun. I did. I did very I think, much. Yeah, en- I would like to watch the movie again.
0: I did very much enjoy watching the movie knowing virtually nothing. Yeah, same. Yeah. I I do remember earlier in 2018 uh, seeing a, a couple of trailers for this movie, and that's what put it on my radar. And then I forgot about it until we did our our year end uh, uh, episode um but uh yeah i think the trailers reveal very little they they give you a good idea of the tone um but yeah go, going into it pretty fresh is is a is a a good recommendation i think so if you do want to see this movie, go watch it on Netflix and finish this episode, mm. and then come later. back to our
1: discussion and yeah. see if uh, we all agreed on that. Yeah. Uh, so now that we've we've left that preface aside, do you want to go ahead and just get into the key moments of the movie that we wanted to bring up?
0: Sure. sure. Well, let's let what I what I want to talk about, which I think will ease us in, is that the movie has a great sense of self awareness that I think really really helps a lot of what it's doing not feel pretentious uh, for its subject matter. Um I, I remember there's there's a moment at the beginning when they first show up at the cult as their pulling in there's like a dude in like khakis and a white button up shirt standing at the gate like doing this like creepy maniacal (laughs) grin and Cleveland you're like
1: oh no yeah I was very worried I was very worried you're like oh no
0: and then in almost the next scene when they're sitting down to eat um they they're they're like what's with that guy and they point at the dude and they're like still grinning and he's still grinning they're like they're like yeah he's he's kind of messed up like he tried to drill a hole in his skull to be high all the time and now he just won't stop smiling i wish he'd stop wearing those khakis too he really gives our cult a bad reputation yeah the, like the, like, cult, <laughs> the
1: other cult members like, like acknowledge like, that like he's like yeah he makes us look a little culty he's a little too culty like five like, stars five fucking stars they, that's how you set someone up and that's how you pay it they, off
0: they do they do a lot of those moments in the movie like even almost
1: every time that the the film starts to let on its pretension the film like, makes fun of itself, and, and shows itself... I mean, this film is as meta, just about as you could ever possibly get, and, like, it is it is so self-aware and surpri-
0: of that. And surprisingly comedic that's, as well. Yeah, that's and, and I think that's what I,
1: saves the movie. One
2: thing I appreciated, you know, like, this cult is, you know, reclusive in a way, but it still has to interact with the rest of the world. Right, they, so, su- they
0: subsist so, on selling their so, beer. Yeah,
2: so the... Two main characters leaving the cult and then making it a big news story right. did Hurts really them. affect and hurt. The, the people in the cult, mm-hmm. and you get a lot of that and I thought that and the, was really the, strong. The
0: the quote unquote leader, um unofficial leader, even says that to them at a certain point or to the, the older brother. He's like he's like you you escaped and you went and started telling people that we were castrated and that we were you know killing ourselves. Like our we have to sell our beer. Like that's our mm-hmm. livelihood. That's how we live and exist in our community out here where we're not hurting anybody and you went Went off and made us look like a bunch of fucking nutcases. Yeah, yeah. and I really, Which I appreciated like, that. And I yeah, really five
1: stars on uh, making the cult actually pretty appealing,
2: I, like, I, and I, and likable. I I really appreciated how they uh, took that original because when they first get into the cult. He says to them, you know, I forgive you, you know? Right. We don't blame you or anything. And at first you're thinking, oh, it's because they left the cult, you know? And he's only saying really that, like, yeah, to, to be controlling. But, in, but he's not, it's it, genuine. For, yeah, in reality, it's just because, you know, that actually hurt them in right. a lot of mm-hmm. really material ways, right. which I thought was a really cool subversion. So I familiar. appreciate
0: that because they're, they make a big point that the cult is not at all about, like, recruiting or anything like that, like, like they're they're really just about like living in their own little commune, and that these two guys leaving really hurt the public image of their group. Now, granted, they do worship a horrible Lovecraftian entity, um,
2: but but I mean, I would argue in a way that they're stuck in the situation well, yes. more so than you know. They... That,
0: you don't even have to argue; they are literally stuck. They yes. they we we learn that they. They cannot leave. Yes, um, so
2: the, the conceit uh, revealed in the second half of this movie is people are stuck in time loops. The, the,
0: the entity creates pocket dimensions, essentially, that each one has its own separate timer, and that it is reset. And as soon as you go through one complete loop... You can never get out. You can leave before the loop finishes, which is the, the conceit for our characters to get out, and the younger brother wants to stay, and the older brother has to try to convince his brother to leave before the loop resets and they're trapped forever. One thing I will
2: say about this conceit is I think it's pretty well executed, but it it's where a lot of my problems with the movie some lie.
0: Its, some of its rules are a bit unclear. Yeah,
2: and that's the biggest thing. I think... I was really invested in the movie by the time that stuff came around because oh, yeah. it was it had a very mysterious air about it. Yes. You didn't know quite what was going on. There was some a sense of dread in it, even though like you started to relate to the cult. And I thought that stuff was really strong. But once the uh the loops started being emphasized, some of the, the rules, like you said, kind of go out of the window and that's where I started started getting confused by some of the, the things in the movie and I wouldn't, kind of
0: I wouldn't go so far as to say that the rules go out of the window, but they do they become muddled and unclear. In the extent that it isn't stated like how the the people's remembering of the loops works. Like there are some characters that are very that very obviously recognize the looping and 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 remember everything from previous loops, and then there are others that seem to be unaware that they're in a loop.
2: And, like, for example, with the Junkie character and his friend who's trying to detox him. The the junkie character says, "If you say this to me one more time, I'm going to be pissed." <laughs> and then You're right,
0: like I'm I'm so if I have to if I have to hear you start our loop with such and such one more time, I'm going to fucking blow my brain. So out it's clear
2: whatever. that he remembers that, but then when the loop restarts and we see that restart it happens as it, if it plays they, out exactly they know the nothing way. of Here, what had happened in the past. Here's how really I think really that is justified.
1: Me. I think that is justified because it is made clear that the entity is playing, right? Like the entity is using these pockets as...
0: It's entertainment. It's
1: entertainment, yes. which means that... And the entity being as omnipotent, as powerful as it is, would have the ability to be like, okay, what if they remember all of these loops this time? Ooh, what if they don't?
0: Or what if they right. start out not remembering um, and, and then they do. yeah like, it like, like I feel same.
1: I feel like the entity has that much control I, that's, over that's that that's why
0: that's why I say that the rules are
2: unclear I can mm. I can I can see that but it still kind of feels like a cop out just because you yeah, know it, it doesn't feel very clear and it seems to change with every loop. right
0: well that's that's the thing it it is unclear and you can play it off of oh well the thing that is responsible for this is it, is a god essentially so it's we can't really understand it but at the same time like it is a film like they could develop that more if they chose and it does it does just feel like they just sort of intentionally muddied it a little bit or maybe unintentionally ultimately that didn't bother me terribly because i think that there's a lot of effectiveness in Mm -hmm. seeing those things like that yeah
1: like the like any of the sequences where they do break it are generally entertaining like... Yeah,
0: well, and and well, we've got our we've got our our exposition character, who is actually one of my favorite characters, uh, the guy who's continually trying to escape the relatively short loop that he's on.
1: Oh yeah, by like that our favorite character for actually sure, pretty
0: horrifying. Yeah, guy, you know? well that our that our older brother comes across after he's had a fight with the younger brother. And the younger brother's like, I'm staying. He's like, okay, fine, I'm going to leave. And he comes across this guy. This guy gives him all of the information. Like I said, Mr. Oh, exposition. I thought you meant the really short loop. We'll we'll, we'll get to okay. that. We'll get to that. But um, the the guy who gives him all of the exposition about the, the loops, the bubbles, mm-hmm. how that shit works. Yeah. But he's <laughs> he keeps hanging himself because... What he what he says, and this is something that I do think is very cool, is that at the end of the loop, the entity will kill you to start the loop over, and killing yourself is far preferable to whatever it does to yeah. you, yeah. which I thought was very cool, and the fact that they never expand upon that at all is really great. He even says that, like, the cult turns it into, like, a spiritual experience. Like, they all gather and let the entity take them And the red nut guy's like, that's a trap. That is not a good idea. No, that's why I keep killing myself before the loop is over. But he sends the guy (laughs) to the gun nut because he thinks that if he kills himself in a different way, Way. then it will finally break the the loop. loop. (laughs) He's like, so I need you to go get a gun and bring it back so I can blow my brains out and hopefully end it, and we get that great moment.
1: My favorite moment. The, the
0: best moment, where he fought, He gets the gun, and he puts it to his head, and he's got like this look of relief on his face, and he pulls the trigger, and then you hear from inside the shed, God damn it! <laughs> yeah, I thought that was good.
2: One thing I was confused about a little bit with that, and this just goes back to the logic, and I know, you know, playing games or whatnot, but like... Mm for him like his past corpse would still exist but for others you know bodies would disappear every yeah. time the loop restarted and that was confusing to me i didn't quite understand that Agreed. But, you know yeah. uh, it, it was you know, a minor thing it's yeah that
0: that's the thing is like the a lot of the the little issues i i think that i think are at least for me personally are pretty easily forgivable just because God power. You, you might, you might even
1: say wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff. Yeah,
0: sure. If you want to make a Doctor Who reference, I do. Um, no, that's fine. Um, I'm sure half
1: the viewers <laughs> are thinking it anyway. I see the cringe uh, on your face, Ben, but you know I I had to say it, and that's all I said. say. I'll okay. um, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I, I I think I think a lot of that stuff is forgivable. Uh, what I also what I also like is how through this idea of of these loops uh, for entertainment and watching the same thing over and over again. We as the viewer become the deity. It's just like when Mm -hmm. we rewatch movies and TV shows that we enjoy multiple times, we are seeing the exact same thing on a loop over and over again. And it's for our entertainment, but this is on a much grander scale the God can have things play out differently to its own amusement, but also that it is doing this just for its own amusement. Yes. Yeah,
2: I I don't know, man. I I feel like a little bit of that is a bit of a cop-out. I just feel like if it was more subtle with the second half um, and didn't quite explain the rules as much, it would have been a little more forgivable or at least just more re- effective i agree yeah.
1: i agree fully with that actually uh, well
0: okay it didn't
1: it didn't hamper it didn't fully hamper my experience i still came out of it really enjoying that there film but it, it did it didn't it, it didn't that help
0: that i enjoyed But i bit, yeah I, I think i think that it ultimately makes the end more impactful and i'm not talking about specifically the sequence at the end where the, the climax where the cg looks really bad but i'm just talking about how it ends as a whole, where eventually the brothers do escape the loop in the context of the film. But at the same time, you could say that by starting the film over and watching it anew, they are still trapped in the loop because you're watching mm-hmm. the same thing occur and- twice. So it's like it's like that they, they simultaneously do and do not escape the loop, which I think...
2: I think it's really subtle, and I think that's why it's strong is because right. it's subtle. But, but,
0: the, but what I'm saying is that you might not get that effect if some of the rules were not explained. So that's that's just my my justification for why I think that it, I don't have a problem with some of the rules being explained, just because I think it might give you a a better idea of of some of the themes.
2: Yeah, I mean the rules. The rules were explained, but they didn't stick to a set of rules. And maybe some some maybe, of the rules some of the I, I rules were muddled. It
0: was the super, rules
1: it, there are no rules. It ben, was, <laughs> it would
2: have been a little more effective if they either stuck to the rules or you know were a little more subtle and open ended, mm-hmm. like with the ending. Sure. Of yeah. It. yeah, I agree. Um, more ambiguity. I, I want to talk about the shortest loop we see. Yes. Um, which is, very which cool. is the legitimately most terrifying thing in this movie, in yes. my opinion. It, we see a guy stuck in a tent he has
0: like a five second it's loop, a five the, yeah there's a there's a a clock on mm-hmm. the outside of the tent and it's it Resets every five and, seconds. And it looks
1: like, and the tent and the guy and the clock all look like they're from like the turn of the last century too, like right, much older than everything else you see in the film. And so he's been there for a while. He's just
0: repeatedly killing himself over and over. Or and being
1: killed. I you don't think know. What I think it he's is. being
0: killed because he keeps, he starts in a seat and gets up and tries to move across the tent and then we just see blood splash.
1: Yeah, from yeah. inside. So yeah.
0: I, I, I like the implication that he's trying to reach something that he can kill himself with, but but the loop is too short. Or the God he'll... is just
1: making him blow up like so, every yeah. time. Yeah.
2: And I think that's done really subtly because it's implied that he does remember every time yes. because yeah. he sees the guy and is horrified
0: and still dies. Well, know? yeah. And the guy, he sees the dude through the window and the guy looks up at him and is just like, leave. Yeah. Get like, the fuck run. out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I think that that is great. And also because of how old the tent and his, outfit and everything is is that he has been repeating the same horrifying five seconds for well over a century and that they
1: reinforce that later on with like the, the 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 fucking awesome like little lovecraftian totem pole that like there were like other people here like well beforehand who were also caught in this loop but this thing is really old.
0: Well yeah, what I what I love is that that sequence towards the end where the 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 brothers are sort of like wandering in the desert like trying to find their way back to the camp or whatever and they see multiple like Relics. relics, statues, and relics in different styles, and one of them is, like, the Native American totem pole, but the top has, like, many eyes and looks very weird and alien, to imply that the the people who lived in this area for decades or centuries are aware of the of the deity and what it's doing and have rep tried to represent it in different ways
2: see i i appreciated that but at the same time that also confused me because time loops and why wouldn't they still be there (laughs) <laughs> maybe, the, maybe, the, maybe the. But I mean, well, I mean, the loops I can mean, be.
1: It is established that the loops can change. Like that, there there are things that occur. It's just that the people in them don't know how, and they can't. At, they, they don't know how yeah, to interact it's, it's with at, them. It's
0: at the god's whim. Like maybe it gets bored of watching the same thing over and over again, and yeah. and ends one. And you know? that's
2: the thing. It's just a rules thing, like before. And usually, I'm not a stickler for narrative rules like that. But with the movie where it has such. A direct conceit like this, not following any. It of does those set at you up all. to think that
1: there are going to be established rules.
0: Me more than anything. Yeah. I think. I think for me, it just implied that the rules can change because there is something that is controlling the rules, and that the that the rules can change at a whim. So the fact, I mean, it does it does leave for some confusing some confusing things that are obviously just like filmmaking conceits. They wanted to do this, so they changed the rules. But it's also like. You can look at it as like... The, the deity is the filmmakers or the or the viewers or all of the above. The filmmakers can change the the writers can change the rules on a whim. The god can change the rules on a whim. It's it I, I can understand that it can be frustrating and unclear, but overall it didn't bother me too much because the fact that the rules can change became a rule in and of itself, I think.
2: Yeah, I for me it just felt like a cop out and with how subtle and tonally strong the first half was it felt like a narrative cop-out to go just it is what it is sure you know i agree with that like it's so strong in how it sets up characters and behaviors in the first half that it i feel like it kind of abandoned some of that while i think the conceit is still very strong in a lot of ways i just wish it would have either either stuck to it or Explained itself in a subtle way Mm -hmm. because when it does explain itself at other times, we come into those shortfalls of budgetary constraints. No, I
0: I can I can understand that. Um, I I like some of the some of the more subtle stuff that I did really appreciate is that we get ideas that it's not just doing this to people but other animals as well. We see a couple of times flocks of birds flying in a circle to imply that they are also stuck in a loop mm-hmm. that they can't escape.
1: The stock footage mountain lion.
0: We see... Uh, <laughs> there's a shot of like an ant hill where you can see the tracks of the ants and it's going all around the ant hill. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought a lot of that stuff was really great. And even the reveal at the end where they go into the, the, the cabin or the the shed rather that was locked with a comically large uh, 19th Mm -hmm. century padlock. And they find just mounds and mounds of, of videotapes and f- like actual film and yeah. stuff to to show how long these loops have been happening and how long the entity has been communicating with people. And it's really just been doing this for its, for its own entertainment and and whims. And it's like, okay, well, that's, that's us as the viewer watching Mm -hmm. things over and over again.
1: One other very subtle point I wanted to bring up was when they're talking to like the, the goofy redneck character who keeps killing himself over and over again. um, There's a sequence uh, when he's talking to the first brother where The brother doesn't say anything, and then the redneck guy responds as if he did say something. And I feel like there's some rewatchability aspects of this movie where if you maybe intercut some of the scenes, there is dialogue that occurs between characters that occurs at separate parts of the film. Yeah, and I would love to know more about that because I feel like there were some things. I haven't rewatched the film yet, but I feel like there were some things that cued into that. The other aspect that I did want to bring up uh, that is very important is that – this is actually not the first film to be set in this location, directed by these actors. Did you know that? I
2: heard something about that, but I haven't seen any of the other movies directed by these guys. The
1: well, it's specifically in that setting. The uh, the guys in the 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 the, sh-
0: the drug the drug addict and his friend who's trying to get him clean. Um, Their these guys' first film in 2012 called Resolution, I believe. The plot of that is a guy goes out to the wilderness to find his friend who is a drug addict. Well, not just the plot. It's him... that
1: scene. It is those characters in that sequence. They were turned to the set with the same actors to do that. Like, well, it is well, a pocket, right, yeah, that exists right, in that scene. Exactly. Story.
0: And I haven't seen that movie. All I have all I saw from the synopsis is that thing. weird things happen. Yeah. I don't know if it's a similar time loop thing. I want to watch that movie and find out. I do think it's cool that they sort of went directly back to one of their previous films and set it in this universe without trying to be too nudge-nudge-wink-wink wink about it. And they did that because I, I read the article that you sent me, Cleveland, yeah. when you discovered that, and they were talking about, like, well, nobody's seen our, our original movie, so why why would we try to... Uh, uh, make direct references to it and like make a big deal that we're returning to that because it's something that nobody's seen before. We just thought it would be fun to put that in there.
1: Yeah, and it was effective in that because I didn't know that. We, we no, didn't know not, that no. or felt a void there or anything no, until yeah, after. All. So I, I would love to explore this world more. I
2: didn't know that at the time either. Um, I've heard their movies, other movies are quite strong, particularly I've heard about Spring, which came out a few years back, which I've heard is quite good by them. But I didn't know that was connected. Uh, I'll have to check out their other movies. Before I would like I to say see them as well. Yeah, that's an effective device or not? But I think well, it's I an would interesting. I would say connective. I
0: would say it's an effective device in that it doesn't feel out of place in *The Endless*, even. When you don't know that it's a reference yes, to the yeah. previous yeah. film, I wonder in how that it sense, feels it's an effective device. If you know the reference. sure. No, you know? I would. I would so. be curious to know that as well. Um, but do you guys have much more to say? Well, about let's this movie? let's let's talk about the climax a little bit and yeah. some of the shortcomings of the effects because I think it's it is it is worth talking about and then we'll rate because the the climax is really my only big problem with the movie and it's just because the effects look like absolute trash Ass. yeah um in 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 a way that really takes me out of the movie in a way that none of the other stuff quite did no the before. rest of the effects I
1: found to be forgivable they might There's, be a little lack well but...
0: like when the when the guy when the guy sets his house on fire oh no sorry yeah that, that, that was fire bad. that fire is very obviously composited in and it looks like shit. yeah it's so brief though I was willing to look past it same with like the mirrored moon it doesn't look great but uh, it's yeah. it, but mm-hmm. like I could, I, I could move past it. It, it
2: yeah. felt more like a quirk of the budget, right. Exactly. It, then, it,
1: forgivable for like the the risk they I were taking. with their I wish it wasn't ideas.
2: there, but I can forgive it but, because yes. of the budget.
0: But then, so the cult goes to die in a scene which I think is great. That's fact. It's very subtle, but its implications are horrifying um and the brothers find the them in their clothes and blood and stuff and like a ring around the campfire and the the older brother's like okay fine you know i guess we'll stay i don't want to go mm-hmm. out into the world and live without you so if you're gonna stay i'm gonna stay and the younger brother's like that's all i wanted from you is for you to acknowledge my decision and that I'm able to make decisions on my own without you. Let's get the fuck yeah. out of here. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah,
1: exactly. Like, uh, yeah. Thanks for validating is, my which agency. Is, which Let's is, leave, which
0: I thought was a really nice little narrative thing because in order for them to escape the loop, they have to break their own loop of mm-hmm. which will, you know, is its own thing. But then immediately after that they hear a noise behind them and they see a a, a, a really bad CGI mirror tornado come coming at them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I oh my God. just that and then, it th- just that just needed to be on the editing room floor. It so did. fucking and they, badly. And they run to the
0: car and they have to the battery's dead, so they have to like work together to push it to get it going but also that scene is really bad day for night it's very obviously shot in the daytime with a blue filter over it it looks like ass and then they're driving and the big mirror tornado is behind them and it looks like absolute dog shit it just had me going
1: like no what are you doing I i was i'm so on board for this movie like what like just just fucking get don't have it you don't you can just have yeah. them looking back and being afraid and it would have been fine have have, have sound that they could do that already and make right. it effective in this film like why are you showing us terrible cg just don't do it it, yeah. it would have been better you don't have
2: the budget for that
1: yeah, yeah. Have,
0: have them look back and have a, there be sound mm-hmm. to imply something but don't show us yeah. anything like look at it, it
1: follows like this i think this movie had was it a 70 million or 170 million dollar budget uh, it's 17. Se- 17 17 million okay sorry million. 17. This, this,
2: 17 that's a million. lot of money for what i thought yeah. like it has
1: a 17 million dollar budget and like no that that's not very much at all obviously cuz i was i was queuing at like higher higher numbers but like um it has a 17 million dollar budget and i think it it definitely had eyes larger than its stomach well i would like to compare it to it follows very briefly which had a 2 million dollar right. budget and manages to maintain that sense yeah, the whole time. Yeah, and it's, it's, really it's surprising it, to me that it had a
2: $17 million dollar budget. Yeah, it does.
1: That feels like yeah. a
0: lot. It doesn't, yeah, it does. Well, that's More than thing, expected. That's I felt the, the about, same way. That's the thing about It Follows is that It Follows doesn't overreach its budget and, and relies on subtlety and the horror mm-hmm. of the unknown, where this film does a lot of the horror of the unknown, but then still doesn't, by the end, doesn't quite trust us to be yeah. satisfied exactly, with it. I think, I think exactly it
1: the could the have been, because I think it was is, enough.
2: Is all about the fear of the right. unknown, and if we and see the, the character's reactions to that, that's enough. We don't yes. have to see what it is, you know? They miss,
1: especially it. when it's not good. They missed, like, the, like I think, like, even if it, the CG had been good, and you had presented us with, like, some a scary-looking entity in the distance of mirror-y, tornado evil eye, whatever, I still think it would have been ineffective, like for that right. same reason. Like yeah. even if the CG was was good, the it would have been of the good.
2: mind is worse than yeah, you can, right, exactly. Yeah, like why you are know, you showing us they, that? They, ultimate,
0: they ultimately, at the very end, missed the point of what they quoted at the beginning from Lovecraft. I think, I think for the majority of the movie, they they did do that well, but it's at the end, and I don't. I don't know, like, this is obviously an indie film, but I don't know, they they might have been answering to executive producers in some extent, and it could have been uh, somebody who was funding them demanding that they show something at the end, because God damn it, we gotta see something. Mm. Or, like, I, they were
1: friends with the people who did the CG, and there's, like, so a it's, bias there. So it's, it's, or, very, it's very possible
0: you know. that that's not necessarily on the writers and directors. It could have been outside interference which is kind of what it feels like to me. I feel
1: like it was personal bias. But yeah. I mean, it's in the movie.
0: But yeah, you know? it is yes, It, it is, is in the movie. Fortunately, that sequence is about two minutes in in an almost two-hour film, so it's a bad two minutes.
1: It's a very bad two it's minutes. It's a very
0: bad two minutes, but I would happily go back and re-watch this movie. It didn't ruin the movie for me. It undercut some of the things that I enjoyed so much about the movie, but i'm i'm ultimately willing to look past it overall because of how strong the rest of the film is i think i can forgive two bad minutes in almost 2 hours of of good movie yeah you know it's it it is unfortunate and had i been the person in charge of this creatively and had been the editor i would have done the end very differently um I
1: just chopped it down. Right. You just it, edited it, it differently. Could've, it could have been. Yeah. Um
0: so oh, well, minus
1: the day for night part. That, mm.
0: Well, I mean, the day for night might have even been more forgivable had you seen yes. less of the bad CG. Yeah, it was because it's I just like so. yeah, it's I just, just like layering on top. It's like you've mm-hmm. got bad CG and bad day for night. Like, stop. Quit it. <laughs> just stop. Just stop. Just don't do it. Yeah. You just you don't have to do it. I'm going to go ahead and throw a rating yeah. on this because yeah, I, um, I, I feel like I've pretty much gotten my thoughts out. Overall, despite the couple of qualms I have with it, I ultimately really loved this movie. Um, it gave me what I was looking for, and what I can give it credit for is that it's wholly original. I've never seen anything quite like it, and uh, originality is always refreshing, um, especially with horror films. And, and largely good execution, too. And largely good execution, and I think... What Good writing and good characters and a, and a cool concept. I liked it a lot. Um, this movie squeaked into my top ten of the year. Um, I'm going to give it a four and a half out of five pods.
2: I thought the uh, first half was very strong. I really liked the, uh, the, the, how they developed the cult and how they almost become likable in a lot of ways and ultimately feel victims of circumstance more than anything. I thought that was a really interesting development. This movie does have some issues, mostly with bad CG and uh, inconsistent uh, rules and kind of a messy, convoluted second half with the narrative uh, in regards to that. But I think when it's strong, it's very strong. Ultimately, while I really like the first half and the cult stuff, I think the the problems I had with the... Uh, inconsistency of a lot of the rules really took away some of the strengths for me so i'm ultimately going to give this a three and a half out of five i think it was good but a little more focus in that respect would have made it much better for me fair
1: i've been torn on my score for a while now we watched this about what a week ago roughly a little less and it's been in my head a lot after i finished the film i knew i would have to really Put a lot of thought into how I felt about this movie because overall I really liked it, but there were several aspects that absolutely tampered that. And I was like, oh, God, you know, like, is it a a three? Is it a four? What is it? I don't want to give it a 3.5 just because some of those moments were just so good. Like in in that film, I I I had so much good to say about this movie. I'm going to give it a, a light four with a big old finger wag. Like, like, <laughs> and basically just like, it's just, is my, my, my message is just to the directors and it's just saying like, I really want to see them do more things with more of a budget, with it better managed, maybe with some better production or more producing oversight potentially. Uh, but they really are like excellent directors overall. And I just, big finger wag, just like be fucking careful about like your budget use at the, at the end of your movie. And like, if it's not good, cut it in art you know like one bad piece in your portfolio can really hamper you know your your overall look as an artist and and i feel the same way like one bad scene can can really knock your yourself your score down yeah but sure. i want to be forgiving of this movie and for for so much of what i liked about it so no i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna give it a four i'm right. gonna give it a four and uh split
0: the difference between yes yeah, split and I, the difference
1: yeah. And yeah, again, highly recommend the movie. And I am extremely curious to see resolution, and and I want to I want to explore this world too. more. I want to see yeah, all and of their see more shit, of their work. Honestly, like yeah. yeah, I'm I'm pretty intrigued. So yeah, uh, a four a light four with a little finger wag.
0: Alright, well that'll give the Endless an average four out of five pods. Yeah, I am I'm, I'm kinda surprised that this was of the three the film that we had the most consensus on. I expected it to be the least consensus. Well, well we out had of the most
2: consensus in a way in ratings on Apostle,
0: but True. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Mm. But for for different reasons. Yes, yes. I think I um, think that
1: like our, our selection of films, uh and our choice of which one were reviewed at what time had like a nice arc to it. Yeah, you know, it was a good we curation. started with like a little bit of disagreement, but you know, like overall, we agreed well enough to have a nice resolution. Then we had our Dark Night of the Soul with Summer of '84 and our disagreements on that, and then we came to almost exclusively agree on this film. Yep,
2: yeah, we had a I, nice, nice. I, I think uh, it was a good curation. I think it, they were three interesting films, at least to talk oh, about. Oh yeah, so yeah. I'm, solid I,
0: choices. I'm glad. I, I'm glad I saw all all three of them, yeah. Yeah, despite same. despite my feelings. Um, and it, it was quite a quite a spectrum that I was not expecting. Two out of three cult movies, which yes. <laughs> uh, brings me into
2: one thing that I forgot with Apostle is Gareth Evans also directed um, one of the uh, bits in VHS Two.
0: That's right. Um, he did the, the cult one, the right? The cult one, which was the which best is one. the best
2: one. Oh, interesting. And man. I was going to say. Instead of seeing Apostle, watch that section of VHS, too, because it is awesome. Yeah. And much better than
0: Apostle. Agreed. Um, okay, well, that will bring us to the end of this episode. Uh, next week, um, now that we have finally laid 2018 to rest, uh, we put that shit in the dirt. Um, we're, uh in, in 2019, we're going to be uh, doing some episodes where... Each one of us will will have a, a choice of a film to talk about, um, and we're starting with Cleveland's Choice next week, one of Cleveland's Choices, and we're going to be talking about Frenzy. Oh,
2: yep, Alfred Hitchcock's Frenzy. Yeah. One kind of
0: Alfred Hitchcock's uh, few true horror movies mm-hmm. outside of Psycho and the Birds. And, and one I, I haven't seen, which is why we picked it yep. yeah. None of us have seen it, so it's going to be a totally fresh watch, and we'll get to talk about uh, Alfred Hitchcock, which I'm yeah, sure is going to lead to... Excited. Some very good conversations, so tune in next week for that. Um, If you like the show, give us a fresh New Year's rating on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, follow us on Twitter at podpeoplepod um, let us know your thoughts on these three films we got some divisiveness and I'm curious to hear other people's thoughts so uh, get at us <laughs> uh, if you have some interesting thoughts maybe we'll read them on the show
1: yeah. and you I think uh, to round off the year since it's sort of been my thing since I got on to talk about um, our, our, our fake sponsor and whatnot let's, let's say that uh, the sponsor for this episode is, uh, is you fuck you, send us money do it, do it right now there we go that's, that's that's our that's our sponsor this week.
0: Thanks, listeners, for sponsoring us. Yeah, you can also follow us on Letterboxd at letterboxd.com slash podpeoplepod. Uh, all the movies we've talked about on the show, our average ratings, links to those reviews, you know the deal. Um, follow me on Twitter at Mr. Van Awesome. New Year, same me. I'm on my <laughs> same bullshit. Yeah,
2: I'm at Mr. Sheets and I'm back on my bullshit. I'm...
1: Um- Cleveland Mosier, you can find me on my art station, uh, Cleveland Mosier or Iron Prism, uh, and occasionally tweeting uh, for Light Arc Studios. We're working up uh, the, the last little touches on our demo, and we'll be uh, repping that pretty heavy coming up.
0: I'll be releasing that soon. Yeah, feeling yeah. feeling good. Um, so if you like video games and horror, be on the lookout for that. It
1: stares back. Yeah, it's going to be cool. Thanks
0: as always for listening. 2018, you're a shitty year, but you're a pretty good year for horror movies yep. overall, I will <laughs> say. So, uh, RIP in peace. Yep.
1: <laughs> and let's let's just Hang in there for 2019. You know, it's gonna Good. be
0: a, gonna be a wild right,
1: ride. Yeah. We're we're in this together, y'all. Let's, well, let's hold in
0: until next time. We're the Pod People, and uh, stay away from cults. I guess eat your vegetables.
1: Bye.